This is a Locker Room Production. And we are back. It's episode 21 of Keeping It 200. And I thought, what better way to open up the 21st episode of the inaugural season of Keeping It 200 with 21 Savage bank account. Thank you, 21 Savage, for that. Um, Make sure to check that out on Apple Music and others. Finally here today, live as live can be. Literally just woke up from a nap about 20 minutes ago. Blackheart. What's going on? How are you feeling today, man? What up, what up, what up? It's boy Blackheart. We back. Get this bitch. Again, keeping it 200 with y'all. You heard? Let's get into it. I know. I love I love just keeping it 200. I love I love the right music to start the show. 21 Savage. Uh, I, I figured what better song. I, it was either going to be that or it was going to be the cheesiest 80s song I could find because today is Throwback Thursday. So... <laughs> <laughs> Um, so how about this here, though, today? Um, of course, uh, we had a lot of stuff go on today. Uh, literally, we've had the NXT TakeOver conference call that we'll get into in a little bit with uh, Triple H. Um, some good notes, actually, in this. I-, I was actually surprised that, spoiler alert, people, there was no questions about the Velveteen Dream or any questions about the releases of the Braun Strowman's Aleister Blacks and others. So I, I was actually very shocked by that because I honestly thought someone would at least ask about the Velveteen Dream one because usually on these conference calls you always get someone that just asks about Velveteen. You always do. Or you get someone that will ask about something that happened just on the main roster. It was more of a question, though, referring to people not liking to be called up. So that was the one. And the rest of the call did not really matter because they just updated the SummerSlam weekend takeover the million dollar title. Um, it, it's it's not as important, but um, of course. And um, Saturday night we've got the and I forgot about this because because I honestly thought when I watched Takeover this week, it didn't feel like a go home show until the main event segment. The rest of the show just felt like another NXT week. So I did not know it was a Takeover go home show till they literally told me thirty minutes into the show when Vic Joseph announced it. Um, and then Sunday, and Saturday night against the UFC, we're going to have the Impact Against All Odds pay-per-view where um, we've got seven matches on cards. It's literally multi-way matches and everything for Impact because we've got Kenny Omega versus Moose for the Impact title, but that will more than likely go to a three-way because Tony Khan will be on Impact Wrestling tonight. We've got Soji Kojima versus Joe Doring. 
Um, this probably won't be a very good match because Joe Doring is not a very good worker. Uh, we've got Deanna Perrazzo um, versus Rosemary um, for the Impact Knockouts title. That's probably going to have a lot of interference because Deanna Perrazzo will have Kimberly and Susan, and Rosemary will have Black Taurus and Crazy Steve. Violent by Design, Dina and Rhino take on um, the DK, Taurus and Crazy Steve for the Impact World Tag Team titles. Rich Schwann takes on W. Morsey. That's the former big cast of WWE. Petey Williams versus uh, Petey Williams versus Trey Miguel versus Ace Austin versus Chris Bay versus Rahit Raju. Winner is the number one contender to Josh Alexander's X Division Championship. Um, Josh Alexander's last defense. He um, retained in a 60-minute Ironman match on the behind the Impact show before the paper um, before the Impact show just uh, last week against TJP and. Fire and Flavor, Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles take on Kimberly and Susan for the Impact Knockout Tag Team titles. Um, what's your thoughts uh, looking at this Impact Against All Odds pay-per-view card? I mean, it's just, just going to be one of those filler pay-per-views till where we get to Slammiversary. Well, that's going to be, I think, believe it, what, July or August? So, you know, it's going to be one of those filler pay-per-views. Um, I'm not really expecting anything big coming out of this thing. Like not like those seriousness and title changes. But I am expecting to see Moose get a hell of a match in with Kenny Omega and hopefully they can still branch off that storyline to Slam Anniversary and then do it like a triple threat to have a return of Samoa Joe be the surprise entry or something like that. That would be excellent booking for them. I, I agree. Um, I think the only really matches that really will mean anything on this card will be the will be the five way because I will say the X division competitors they really actually have the best matches on Impact on pay per views or even their monthly pay per views on the Impact Plus app. They th- these are literally the best matches to literally see because they actually go all out and they actually have the best matches. I mean, I look at the Deanna Peraza Rosemary that just kind of seems like just a little filter feud because. Uh, of course, Taylor Wilde, who came back to Impact at the last pay-per-view, that's where they've kind of been trying to push to for that pay-per-view. For I know that is what that's been. The Kojima Joe During just seems like a filter match. Um, the Impact Knockout Tag Team titles, Fire and Flavor, yeah, it's another filter match. Um, Rich Swan W. Morsey will either be very good or very bad. Um, take that as you want because, because right. I really don't because I really don't know how to judge a big cast match. He I will say this here he he works good with people like a Daniel Bryan and Rich Swan is close to Daniel Bryan esque as you're going to get with any competitor right now. So so I will say that that it should be a very good match. If it's a bad match, it will be because of W. Morsey just doing a lot of chin lock and heat and that's not going to work with an empty arena. Um, the violent by design versus DK, eh, it's, I mean, I'm not really, this, this, this kind of, violent by design is a very weird group to me because when they had Rhino turn heel, that's when I kind of felt like this direction's kind of been on for this team. I'm really, I'm a big fan of Black Taurus though. I think Black Taurus is probably one of the most underrated guys that you got today. Crazy Steve is blind in one eye, so so he actually can still he can do some crazy shit. So I'm not I'm not gonna ever deny crazy so stuff. Um, so they got an anti uh, uh, one of those anti agogos on their hands too, huh? 
Yes, but this one is legit. Like, like at least with Anthony Agogo, he can work a singles match. With Crazy well, Steve, he really is working tag team matches or just quick matches because that's just what Crazy Steve's eye. I think that's how more blind Crazy Steve is. I'm not trying to trying to you know be a doctor and trying to decipher, but you know that's that's what I've seen whenever I've seen Crazy Steve. You know. Um, and so, yeah, I, I will say, though, I, I do hope the Kenny Omega Moose match just stays a singles match because because it would actually be better. We don't need a three way for the belt. We just we just had a three way for the belt on AEW. We just had a three way for the belt on um on the raw pa- on the raw pay-per-view that WrestleMania backlash. I don't think we need any more three ways. And I, I will say this here, though, with Kenny Omega and Impact, he's literally his job is literally to be like Brock Lesnar. Where he yep. just shows up and and I hate that I really hate the booking of Kenny Omega and Impact. <laughs> I, I, I no I really do because I because I never like the booking of Brock Lesnar in WWE because I'm like I mean because they you look at he's contractually signed to AEW so most of majority of all his wrestling matches and dates are going to be for that one company. He's just there to help basically promote and be the star and trying to incorporate the story that's involving him. So I wasn't expecting him to really get in the ring ring until when it's like a pay-per-view match. Because you, you already do a weekly television on Dynamite anyway, and that's still connected to that story. Yeah, but you got to also remember this here too, Blackheart. The best way to put over someone, and, and this is the problem that Brock Lesnar has, and this is the problem that Brock Lesnar has had as well, then people watch Impact, even if you're just a casual viewer. No one's going to just just say, "Well, man, Kenny o- Moose actually might be Kenny Omega." No, you got to promote that shit on TV weekly, where Moose just lays his ass out weekly and weekly and weekly. Because the best Brock feuds were when he got laid out weekly by Braun Strowman and shit. I know that he didn't win, but it was still. Something you know, you have to literally like I, I and this is saying you too. If people that say that oh, Kenny Omega get buried and shit, he won't get buried because he's on yeah. AEW and shit. And Impact is works by way less. Money. And he's in Triple A. He's still doing New Japan. I mean, but I mean, well, exactly. eventually so, he'll go back to New Japan. Like he's just an overall journeyman, like certain other people that's in that company right now, or that's working for Impact. Similar stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, bringing in Clifton Thompson. Clifton, what's going on today, man? Nothing much. Uh, we're, we're just literally uh, just talking about the Impact uh, monthly pay-per-view card that's just going on. Um, have you been watching Impact or anything with the Kenny Omega? Or No. I'm like a uh, casual viewer of WWE. Ah, I got you. Well, um, how about this here? Though? We're getting into the NXT TakeOver card for Sunday. That's on Peacock, if you want to watch that, or pay fifty four ninety nine on, or pay fifty four ninety nine on pay per view because for some Who's reason WWE enough to really do that shit. Honestly, who's really stupid enough to pay sixty bucks? All I know is, all I know is they they sell these pay per views. Literally, I know that I was they sell these pay per views really, really, really high for some reason. Impact pay per views, if you buy it through cable providers, like forty four ninety nine and. If you buy the AEW pay-per-view, it's $49.99. And, and, and WWE is really charging $54 for a pay-per-view. Look, I'm more charged that Impact is charging $45. Hold on, man. That shit, just, oh, hold on. That shit should be dumped down to like $35 if anything else. 
Well, well, the only impact, well, well, the only impact pay-per-views that they charge, though, are the ones like Slammiversary, the monthly ones. Oh, you okay. have to literally buy through the Impact Plus app. All so right, that's, all right. That's the only thing. Yeah. But, but this – That's why um, be on fight there, there for the all other stuff. I will say this here, though. The first takeover they had at that Capital Wrestling Center or the Performance Center, they charged fifty nine ninety nine for. And then there was people that found out about that, so they just lowered the price by $5. So, so all these pay-per-views are technically – you can buy through a cable provider, but I don't know why anyone would. There, there are people that still do that. For, for some reason, they are. That's unbelievable. Yeah. But, wow. then again, but, then again, but then again, when your average audience is at 59.8 years of age, I understand why they why they do that to try and be – because cause they're already – well, we're already getting old people to watch, so we might as well try to get more money on them. I, I wouldn't do that. I, I don't know why um, – and anybody that's still doing that, that's crazy. So, But the takeover card for the for Sunday will be Bronson Reed and MSK versus all of Legato Del Fantasma, Escobar, Joaquin Wilde, and Raul Mendoza. Winner takes all in a six-man tag um, title match for the NXT North American and NXT Tag Team Championships. Um, this should actually be a really great match. It technically should be on paper. Roman Reigns is the best. Hey, what did you say, Cliff? Roman Reigns is the best. Oh, well, yeah, Carmen Hill, Carmen Hill Reigns right now is smashing television. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then for the NXT Women's Championship, we've got Raquel Gonzalez versus Ember Moon. Um, this is like the weakest match literally on the card. Yeah, I'm not because. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but but also, but also, this match is not going to be good as well because you know Ember Moon literally just got pushed as a challenger, and she only looked like a challenger after one TV segment. So I didn't, I didn't really care for that. I didn't. Um, we got Mercedes Martinez versus Zia Lee, a match that actually's got simple booking, but they, you know. We'll get into that. You know, to me, this should be this should be a good match, but I'm pretty sure that this will be the weakest match on the takeover card because outside of Gonzalez and Moon, they'll they'll probably have a match where Moon gets a lot of close near falls. Zia Lee and Mercedes Martinez will probably be more about just a quick match because because honestly, Zia Lee should win, but. Um, we got Cameron Grimes versus L.A. Knight for the Million Dollar Championship belt in a ladder match. We just had a ladder match on the last takeover. Spending money, motherfucker. Oh, yeah. I like that one Um, And then we got the Fatal Five way for the NXT title. Um, it will be Karrion Cross versus Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano versus Pete Dunne. This should technically be the best WWE match of the year. And long five of the best workers. And maybe long. Well, you got true, true, but this should technically be the match that gets five stars, though. This technically should be. It's technically the only. It's technically it technically should be the best WWE match of the year. It technically should be. You got the five best workers in this. There's no reason to now. Now, all right. Now we meant five stars. You meant like we gonna get like one star per person. No, I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm, talking, I'm talking about. I'm talking about. I'm talking about. This match should technically be the five star 
match, you know, because, because I'm not going to say Tokyo Dome because then someone's going to, you know, try to copy the snippet and be like, oh, well, he said Tokyo Dome. I, I know the most five-star matches have actually came from Corrigan Hall because I read the newsletter every week. So so, 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 so people that say five stars in the Tokyo Dome or the 18-star Tokyo Dome matches, I, I, know, I know that they still live in 1985. So I'm not as you know, worried about that shit. Um, but um, what's your thoughts on the takeover card, though, um, Sunday? You've we um, got five matches? Or... Well, yeah, we've got five matches, so it shouldn't be that much. That's actually a good start. Um, more looking forward to the main event, more than anything right now, along... No, actually, excuse me, correction. I'm looking forward to these Cameron Primes and LA Knights uh, Million Dollar Ladder match. I want to actually see someone actually start wrapping around that Million Dollar belt as part of the gimmick. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. This could be a one-night thing or not, but someone's going to tell me that they're going to try to keep Ted DiBiase around, try to get him more involved into the situation. So I kind of want to see how that, well, where that goes. But as for, as for the main event, it's going to be pure action, all high spots, but Karrion Cross is still going to walk out with that W. So, sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. This isn't um, a prediction. For... It's a spoiler. <laughs> Facts, I agree. I think Karrion Cross is definitely going to win. There's no reason he shouldn't win the ladder match. You know, usually whenever WWE does ladder matches and stuff, and they always build up this baby face and stuff, they always do like the opposite. Instead of giving the baby face this big victory, they give it to the heel because it's something that the crowd doesn't expect and all that. And I think LA Knight will actually win the million dollar championship. And Ted DiBiase is going to stay a focal on this TV show. I don't know why they don't update his photo. His photo is still of 1985, and <laughs> it, it's, it's it's just weird as hell because I'm just like I'm just like you don't even look like that, and they keep like trying to like promote that he does look like that. That's just embarrassing. It's just it's it's, just, it's like they get the royal tribute to Brock taking him away from that uh, taking away off of that alumni list so fast, but yet. They can do for someone that's actually a Hall of Famer and that actually gave them a kid who didn't make it in that company, please. I will I will say this here though, if you know, I, I find it so funny how this feud has been about million millions of dollars and Ted DiBiase just last year was in trouble with the Mississippi, Mississippi state government about a house that was not paid off or was paid off with money laundering. So um that's funny. I find that really funny because because I'm like I'm like I'm, I'm like yeah you're portraying that they're portraying that you're this rich guy but you're really not a rich guy like you know so beauty of KP my friend exactly and also before we get into the raw and NXT on NXT UK today that aired at uh, 4 p.m. or the 8 p.m. in England if I got any England followers. Um, Maiko Samura won the NXT Women's Championship from Kaylee Ray after Kaylee Ray held it for over 649 days. This was the main event of the show. Of course, this is actually their second match ever because the first match they had was two weeks after Sotomore's debut and Kaylee Ray beat her. And I remember there were people all over Twitter and shit saying like, oh, don't ever talk to me about NXT UK. This show sucks. They just buried this woman. I'm like, 
they're not burying her. They were establishing her, and this is and that's WWE's way of establishing people. WWE establishes people the way they want because it's their company. And two, no one was really watching NXT UK anyway, and I doubt NXT UK goes up in viewers, but it's still a very cool thing to see because because mm-hmm. in NXT UK they do establish championships. They actually oh, yeah. do. So and then, you been, ever disrespected my man Volta over there first and foremost. So whoever the fuck said that shit should receive a big ass shot from Walter himself and then come crying back to that same sentence. Exactly. I, so I don't. So, but I, but I was honestly happy. It, it was a good. It was a good moment. You know, the only thing that I think just hurt the whole thing was not anything in the match. It was. It, it was. It was just the little ten people in the virtual thing that they got making fake noise and the confetti, and there was really no like fans. If there if there were fans in the building. There, it would have really been something fun. It really would have actually been like a great moment. I think that, you know, it, but in NXT UK, they're 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 more hurt because they don't have any fans and they don't and they're literally working with literally ten virtual people that have already been pre-taped. So, mm-hmm. so that's so any but anyway. So let's get into the Monday Night Raw show. Um, oh, garbage heat of the week. Yeah, garbage. <laughs> I, I know, I know. This is this is a a terrible show indeed. Uh, we start off the show with Randy Orton and Riddle entering for the tag team battle royal to determine the number one contenders. And we and I honestly thought that we were going to get like an actual raw match to open up the show because it would have been the first raw match to actually open up the show in almost over three years. But of course we don't because AJ Styles almost entered the ring. And first thing they and uh, enter uh, the match like they they just they cut this ten minute promo. If it was only five minutes or less, I would have actually loved it. I really would have. But instead, AJ had to like go on about the heat and go on and go on, and he was just talking and talking. And then we had New Day talk and. AJ Styles was saying cap riddle did some comedy and then Randy Orton took the key and uh, put it in his boot. And then we had Morrison and Miz enter, and literally it didn't even make no sense why John Morrison entered this because Miz was in a wheelchair and, (laughs) and Morrison literally got a spray bottle that said drip stick. And let's say Dorado didn't even have a partner in this. He, his partner was injured too. My God, like this this whole over this segment of Monday Night Raw just made me appreciate the fact that there was basketball on that day. <laughs> exactly. I, I, so this, I, was, I will say this here though. I will say this here. If AJ had just cut a two minute promo instead of a ten minute promo and and poor Omos. Omos really, you know, he messed up the word phenomenal. So of course, you know, Kofi and them like made fun of Omos's voice and I was just, I was just like, if they had just did a two-minute thing, this would have actually been like a, a fine opening segment. But instead, they wanted to give you bullshit, and and then of course, Randy Orton and Riddle close out to go to commercial with RKO's, and then when we get back, the match starts, and the Viking Raiders won the tag team battle royal. This was actually a ten-minute battle royal, but I actually, I actually didn't mind the time. I actually like this battle royal. Usually, usually I'm not like, a big fan of the battle royals in WWE lately, but I did like this one. Here's how the here's how the um, finish went for everything that happened. Um, Morrison eliminated Dorado early with the drip stick. 
um, because Dorado gets blinded by water easily. Mason T-Bar eliminate Morrison, so that kind of tells you where they think about Morrison. Um, Riddle, you know, saved Orton from being eliminated, so Mason T-Bar took a double choke slam. Then we had, you know, T-Bar eliminated by Orton, Riddle and Kingston, and Ivar while Mace was eliminated. Then, of course, um, finish comes down to... um, it was going to be that it was going to be where Riddle was already eliminated. So Kofi Kingston went for Trouble in Paradise on Orton, and Riddle comes in the ring and takes the Trouble in Paradise. Randy eliminates Kofi. Viking Raiders eliminate Orton, and the Viking Raiders won. And it, and when I thought about this, the first thing I thought of is like, man, the the Viking Raiders just got put in a filter feud because the story was more on Randy and Riddle, and even the commentators even said it was about Randy and Riddle. It wasn't even about them, and I was like. Oh, jeez. I'm like, I said, poor Viking Raiders. I, I was really upset by the Viking. I, I was I, I was happy they won. And then immediately, the next commercial break when they come back, AJ Styles is literally burying them, just saying, well, you guys are wannabe Vikings. Like, you, 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 say, you say you do all these Viking things, and almost is eating the turkey leg, and... And, it, and it's really funny because the Viking Raiders actually do come off as wannabe Vikings. And then that's when the Viking Raiders got bad, but they didn't do anything. So um, what was your thoughts on this opening segment? Just complete trash, man. Listen, I'm sorry. The only thing I was just expecting more was probably New Day getting the dub because obviously they were the most overly pushed tag team on Money Hog. Let's not forget the whole Viking Raiders, like I said, like, ugh. If we can rewind back the clock a little bit, let's rewind back the clock to the whole Street Profits in Viking Raiders. Best out of seven or anything you can do, I can do better skits that they did. That just made me just want to just walk away from the Viking Raiders completely. So I completely left them as behind. So when they won, I was actually kind of shocked and I told myself, yeah, that yeah, they've been the established hacking since they've been there. But also, they're just feeding them to these two jokesters, and then they're going to drop the belt off later as something came up and all their fans will come back. So they're just prolonging the whole inevitable right now. So, and then with the whole Asian promo in the back, mocking them, this is total 1999 rock burying Billy Gunn. Exactly. So, I, I, I probably I, next I, week or probably like the week after, they're going to be here with Billy Gunn. Great job, AJ. I, I, we know how to <laughs> well, well, I will, and and then of course Sorry, the I next segment that. gets. Oh well, and then the next segment gets weird because in WWE wins and losses don't even really matter. So Charlotte Flair approaches Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce. Hey, she hey, wants buddy. her loss. She wants her loss to um, Nikki Cross being stricken from the record. They say no. She says she didn't understand because they haven't had the career that she has. So Charlotte said she wanted to rematch with Nikki Cross. So Rhea Ripley joins the frame and says that she um, admitted that she wasn't watching the clock during her match, so she respected Cross, which is why she wanted a rematch instead. DeVille instead made a tag match with Charlotte and Ripley, um, teaming up against Cross in a partner of her choosing. And then, um, and then of course, you know, so so this was kind of like a weird segment because I don't understand why they wanted Charlotte Flair to like literally say, well. I want, you know, my loss stricken from the books when in WWE that wins and losses don't even really matter like that. And technically it really doesn't matter in this uh, in this case. And um 
Yeah, and, 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 these scripted people or uh, scripted writers in the bag and just feeding this, this shit about what the fuck to say. And whenever that the fuck that she say it, or anyone that says it, makes them like they don't know what the fuck they're they own talking about. That's when you know this whole thing is bad between writers and writers and wrestlers and how they should be speaking for them makes no sense. And what's even worse is everyone's telling me on Twitter that this is Nikki Cross's big break. This is her push. I'm like, How is you guys been push? watching? It, exactly. Three three whole weeks have now been, like literally two weeks ago, Rhea Ripley just beat her ass in the corner and the clock expired. And the week before that, and the week after that, she literally runs away from Charlotte Flair for a whole minute and does and just wins because the clock stopped. And Nikki Cross is celebrating these victories like she's actually winning these matches. And, she hasn't won any matches. That's the whole point. That's what the whole point. And Nikki Cross is actually more of a heel than Charlotte Flair in this way because at least with Charlotte Flair, you understand what the hell she's doing. But Nikki Cross, you don't even understand what she's doing. So I didn't get that at all. It was just like whatever. So then, of course, we get even more bullshit because the show loves bullshit for some reason. I really feel like even Vince Russo could write a better show than this crap because oh, Elias no, no, is in the no, ring. No, no. You say Vince Russo's fake. No, 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 no. In, no. in 2021 with this bullshit that I've seen? For no, no, this no, was, no, this no, no. one hour on a show. This show <laughs> <sucked> <laughs> <first> hour. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, just anti-Russo over here. As much as I may respect the guy's views and opinions on everything, but he's not a wrestling fan, and I would not want him writing my goddamn show. Forget it. Well, it felt well. It literally felt like that Vince Russo's type of brain wrote this show because of the way this show gets even more worse. We got Elias in the ring. He said Jackson Riker was a man who was willing to go to battle, just not a man who was willing to go to battle for him. So Elias was about to perform, and then uh, Jackson Riker is supposed to be the babyface, but he attacks him from behind. Jackson Riker is even a worser babyface than Mason Ryan. This is terrible. And someone really thought that this man needed a haircut and trimmed his beard? Oh, my God. This man literally looked like Mason Ryan in this match. He he did Mason Ryan shit. He, he had a Mason Ryan generic um, baby face music. It was the longest three-minute match of just chin locks and shit. And I'm like, someone really thinks this is a baby face in this company. And then, and the best part about this whole match was Elias literally left. So, and the commentators yelled in their fucking ears, this feud must continue. I'm like, why does this feud have to continue? Why is it even a fucking feud? It shouldn't even be a feud. They should have been. Sorry, you cut two people and you should have fired Elias and Jackson Riker's asses. Oh, I forgot the Trump supporters. What's even worse about this whole thing is Vince didn't even know Jackson Riker was a military veteran till the Memorial Day episode of Raw and someone reminded him. It wasn't even like that. It wasn't even like that Vince knew this. So, I mean, so- no, listen, man, he had to. He had to know this to some degree. He was in some type of military, or 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 does some time, or or some type of services. That's bullshit. How Vince McMahon does not know half of these things about other people, but yet somehow he signs them. Nah, I don't think so. He has to know. He has to do his research on certain people 
If he wants them in his company, he's more research on that person to see if they're even going to be a fit here. Exactly. I was just, to me, I, I don't even like anything about this view. This, it was... This was the worst first hour that I've seen in a long time. The worst first hour. And at least the second hour got better because we had the WWE contract signing. Um, it was it was weird, though. I will say this here, though. I wish Drew McIntyre didn't cut this promo because McIntyre comes out to the ring and McIntyre cuts this long promo saying that there was this king in England who ran away from battle and he hid in a cave. And then... After years, he saw some spider in the damn cave and told the spider to stop trying to make a web. You're just not going to. And then for some reason, the king came back and whooped everyone's ass with, like, no people or whatever because he was in the cave for years. So this was just a terrible promo. And then at least we got Bobby Lashley to come out with, like, some actual people. You know, you know. I know the women are just like you know, just stage people. Proud to the women that have walked away lashy for the last three and a half weeks. I will, I will say this here: these women actually make noise more than the fans do on that damn Thunderdome thing. They make more noise than those Thunderdome people. I, I will give the women that because the women really are. It's not like they're getting paid big money, but they, but they're making a lot of noise and they're having a lot of fun. Well, they get paid and then they get some TV exposure. So somehow, some way, you might catch some bitches on Bad Girls Club next. Watch. I, I will say, though, I actually enjoy the women because they, they've actually brought nothing but actual, like, fan reaction or whatever. So they all came to the ring with Lashley. MVP told Adam Pierce that he wanted a reward for not interfering in the mat, um, interfering in the number one contender main event match last week, and the and Lashley said that if he um, retains, McIntyre can never challenge for the, another title match as long as I guess Lashley's the champion. McIntyre accept except McIntyre um, wanted no interference, and he didn't want anyone losing the match for him. He said he wanted a Hell in a Cell match. Lashley quickly accepted because one thing about Hell in a Cell matches and cage matches, there's always interference. So. So and then McIntyre was confident because he um he and then and then McIntyre finally cut a great promo after starting off with a shitty promo he actually cut a really great promo and then ended the contract signing by just taking a sword through the announce uh, through the table and I was like this is actually this is actually it, it turned out terrible at first but it actually got better so I was actually proud about that I actually was I was I was I was like I was like bad way to start great way to finish. Um, and it was actually a little bit different of a contract signing. It, it was. You know, everyone shits on Bruce Pritchard and the contract signing segments, but at least he does try to make them different every time. At least he does in some ways. So, I mean, we did it, but let's not give us a contract signing for each and every pay-per-view match because people will really get tired of that shit quick. Only do that shit when it comes to big rivalries that you know is going to draw money. This this got to be like the final chapter in that covering um, the current rivalry, of course. So I figured with this happening, this better be the last of it. I, I will on. say, I will say this here though. To me, it's not like this is like it's not like any of these matches from the pay per view are like money feuds. But except, except this one is technically in WWE standards, technically a blood rivalry feud because Lashley and um, McIntyre have been feuding since before Mania. They, you know, have had two matches now against each other on pay-per-views before this. And, you know, and as The Rock always says, the first act and the second act don't matter. It's always the third and final act. So, 
it, it's gonna. Be, so this should probably be their best match. It technically should. I will say I'm actually enjoying this feud more than I did with McIntyre and Randy Orton because McIntyre and Randy Orton to me was not a great feud. But this has actually been better. So we got Sarah Schreiber. She interviewed Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross was excited and said, and this is what she said. She said, she said as long as you believe in your dreams, you can achieve anything. <laughs> so, 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 if I believe in my dreams of two-minute matches, then I can get my dreams, Blackheart. If, if I, if I, if I, if, if I, if I, if I, if I, if I run away for a whole minute and get my ass whooped for another whole minute, then I'm really um, believing in my dreams. And and then Nikki Cross says that Oscar's her partner, and they both start dancing and exciting. And what made me mad about this whole segment wasn't even the, anything Nikki Cross said or the dancing. It was the fact Sarah Schreiber said that Nikki Cross has had two big victories in the last two weeks. I'm like, that's not a fucking baby face, and this is not no big victories. She, she hasn't even heard the number one contender. I don't even think they even know what babyface or heel is anymore. It's so blurry between the lines. I'll tell you this here though: if I was, if you were a casual viewer and you watched this show, you would have thought Nikki Cross is the fucking heel over Charlotte Flair. You would have been like, "Well, you 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 would think Charlotte Flair's a stuck-up bitch, but you wouldn't think that Charlotte Flair was a heel like Nikki Cross is." And oh my goodness, this was just weird. And then, so next up we had Sheamus entering. Um, to ringside, he had a face mask and a bandage around his nose because Alberto Carrillo did break his nose. Uh, Sheamus got uh-huh. home before the match complaining about what happened. You know, we talk about Elias and Riker being the worst feud on TV. Ricochet and Alberto Carrillo should have been something easy with this Sheamus feud. And instead, Alberto Carrillo and Ricochet have looked like heels when they beat up Sheamus. And then they had a double countout match. And the winner was supposed to challenge for the United States Championship. And literally, these guys try to work their asses off for like a six minutes with a commercial break. And the next thing you know, Ricochet does a Spanish fly. And Seamus on commentary, I know Vince was in his ear because Seamus literally said, both these guys are not in my league. He said they're both. He said they're both not even nowhere near being this good or anything. And I was just like laughing. I was like, what the hell? I was like, you know, to, to me, Ricochet and Humberto Carrillo, I don't know about you, Blackheart, but I don't give a damn for either of these guys on my show now, neither. I really don't care either, told- but I don't. Humberto like, Carrillo should have been got pushed a long ass time ago when Vince dropped the ball with that, and he got shunned over to the main event and never was seen again. And they came back. Same thing for Ricochet, too, when it came to the whole retribution storyline with him. They should have been gobbled his ass up, made him a retribution member, and then it would have gave some of them people a little bit of edge, minus the whole makeup and face paint and all this shit. You know what's even worse? <laughs> the feud actually technically started off with Monsoor and Carrillo versus Sheamus, and they just replaced Monsoor with Ricochet. <laughs> so much for the so, newest edition of Monday Night Raw that he only had one match, and then he's done. I know that, that I was, but but to, but to me, like you do, and then what's even worse is like these guys really try to go out there and really try to have a great match, and then they just get hit by a commercial. Wait, you but got listen, Jimmy bro. Smith. Yeah, I mean, but listen, go quick, right? One match in yeah. particular that wasn't on neither one of these three shows, but it was on the main event. I think it was like two weeks ago, Mustafa Ali versus Ricochet. That one. Tore the motherfucking house down, and I had to spit at my own fucking TV screen for that. 
Because I said, this is what the fuck that you're doing, Vince, to these guys. They go on the D or E show, and then they can have the time of their lives. It's ridiculous. Exactly. And and what's even worse about main event? It's even worse for commentary that you get on Mondays because oh, Kevin yeah. Patrick that is two hundred five five. Exactly. Yeah. And and this and and this and this right here to me though, like Ricochet actually's had a better feud on main event with Ali than he actually has had on TV. And that's just to me to me that should just be like that's just ass backwards in any mm-hmm. in any way. Um, we had MVP Kofi Kingston backstage segment. This was actually a this was actually a really good part of Raw. I actually like this right here because MVP oh. approached the new day in the back. He wanted to speak to Kofi alone, so Woods, you know, went to the locker room. MVP said that he was a fan of Kingston. He cried tears of joy when he won the title at WrestleMania. He said seeing Kofi in the ring with his sons inspired him to come back to WWE. MVP said Kofi Mania was everything, but it abruptly ended because he wasn't Bobby Lashley. There was a glimpse of championship-level Kofi Kingston last week, but that went away because he said you shook McIntyre's hand after the match. It looked like Kingston um, content – and he said, said, is Kofi content on being a loser, content shucking and driving with his friends, and then Kofi told him to watch his mouth. Kingston didn't want his advice – so Lashley, and then Kingston asked Lashley, he said, what does Lashley do it for? For the money? He said, no. He said, Lashley does it for the legacy, the prestige, and the accoutrements, which was a weird fucking word because I was just like, that's weird because usually they don't, they, you know, this is like even a bigger word because even I don't think Vince would have uh, approved of that. But no, I, that's what I'm thinking about that. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, so they left with Kofi thinking about this. Uh, would you like to see a Kofi Kingston heel turn? Hell no, no. I Hell would. Listen, listen. The listen. The new day equals money for WWE. You are not going to do what you already done to at least a good sixty five percent of these tag teams that was there for maybe two years and then now as of right here right now they're all gone. There's only six teams that is left. And you are not going to bring up this money making one first and foremost. Now, granted about Sally, what happened with Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin and stuff like that, but you know who else I said that could fit that bill more like it did anything else and no one ever thought about this? Street Profits. I agree. Street Profits will never give them a run for their money. If they you have Street Profits as the heels, as heels now too, cocky, arrogant, and then what is, and then what is the possibility of the same thing later? That's going to reestablish your business, and it's going to be way more bad than the original. Save them. Don't do anything stupid with them. I, I will say this here, though. I, mean, every, I, I do agree with what you're saying, but I actually would like to see Kofi as a heel because here's the thing here. For one, for one WWE is going to make money with or without New Day because technically speaking, it, it they you know their stock just went up again. Um. Their stock is actually now at like close to like seventy seven dollars a share now, which is like crazy because they, they haven't hit seventy seven dollars or that level since like before the pandemic began, which is crazy. Um, to to me to me, I just I just feel like this is something that I, I just got that feeling that they're gonna make Kofi a heel. I, I actually would like to see Kofi as a heel because Kofi to me, I understand that people like him as a babyface, but I don't like Kofi as a babyface. I just don't and. I'm, and I like Kofi when he was a heel with New Day in 2015 because 
because he, you know Kofi's actually better as a heel to me. I don't know why. And and plus two, it's kind of like foreshadowing because the last two years since he's lost to Brock Lesnar, you can see they always make references about him losing, and he always gets mad and stuff. And at first, the first like six months, he was always like crunching up a pancake or he was mad looking and. I actually want to see this for some reason. I actually do. I know I'm crazy, but no, I, I I'm, no, you're not crazy, and, and, and I understand. Like they have motive to do it, but I just think as for a business aspect, like would you rather revolt back in time to see him try to be a heel? And then let me remind you, this is the only time that he ever been a heel when he started the whole new day thing. So he only had one prime experiment. So I wouldn't go back on something like that if you have no type of like confidence in it. And I can't see that. And I can't see him looking the way that he looks like now, being a heel and trying to get over that way. Nah. Stay as a babyface, man. If anything, Xavier Woods should be the one turning heel. That's no, he, no, because no. he has because he has a little built body. You know what I'm saying? You make him more arrogant, you turn him back. Into the teenage version of him and shit like that again, and just other shooting stars. Yeah, I, I will say this here though: Wh- whoever, if the new day breaks up, the other one is going to literally be in shit creek because if they if they don't make Kofi a heel and make Woods the heel, Kofi's going to shit creek. If they make Kofi the heel and Woods is not, Woods is going up shit creek. That's all. That's all I can say. Well, I will. Say I'm going to say this: Who needs it more out of the both of them, Kofi or or Xavier? Who really needs it more? Like that batch appointment is like okay, like they're about to like all right, they're about to be on the brink of being released or on the brink of being on main event. I agree. I, I will. I will say though, it's not like it's not like it's going to really matter anyway because you know they're not going to make Kingston a WWE champion again. So it's it's not like it, that's going to happen, and I don't see them making Xavier Woods a WWE champion. But oh hell no! But he could so, be a great like United States champion. Exactly. Um. So next segment was Mansoor warming up backstage when he was approached by Mustafa Ali. <laughs> Ali said that he has to Ali, – Ali said that Drew Gulak is dangerous. And he, say, he said you need to watch out for Gulak because Gulak is a dangerous man who will cut every corner to win. That is true except that Drew Gulak is two years dead because I've not seen a Drew Gulak that – Oh, yeah. Is, okay. I, 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 this was the same Drew Gulak that just had a, a rose up his butt last month. So I, oh, I, man. I, 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 I understand. Oh, no, listen, when he was on SmackDown, when Daniel Bryan was there too, he was you know, he was careful. They placed him the right way because Daniel Bryan was there having his back. Now we see him on Raw, and he's on the bottom of the damn barrel. Next stop, main event. I agree. Um, Jeff Hardy versus Cedric Alexander. It was the battle of the North Carolinas, except none of the commentators referenced <laughs> that the WWE's Twitter did. So, and and technically speaking, I didn't even realize both were from North Carolina till like the end of the match, and they put it on Twitter. I was like, oh, I said, yeah, that's right. I said, I said, but but why do I not give a shit for neither of these guys? Because five minutes fifty four seconds, Jeff Hardy beat Cedric. Um, Jeff Hardy cut this. Just a just a '90s Sunday Night Heat promo saying that Cedric Alexander needs to have respect for the locker room and respect is earned. And 
you know, they went back and forth until Alexander mocked Hardy and taunted before attempting off the moon, um, before attempting off the middle rope move. Hardy booted him, hit a twist of fate, and Swanton for the victory. Um, is this a feud, or it, or am I just being, you know, blind? Um, nope, you at a little mini baby feud that keeps Jeff Hardy going and try to rebuild him up, see what else they can do. They already wasted away a year on him already. So he only got two more years left on the two years left on that contract. So what are you really gonna do to have him pass the time? Well have him and Cedric go out on main event and back and forth on Raw. I said I don't see no one else. I mean it's, it's just something to fill up in TV time, five minutes talks, that's it. I, I will say this here, I just got this feeling that like WWE is gonna do this show where they bring back legends for like a Legends Raw or something like that. I mean we got fans back next month or so. Uh-huh. And and I think they're gonna like make it where Cedric Alexander falls the victim of I have to get my ass whooped by all the legends because Vince thinks it gets over but really it buries me, and yeah. that's kind of what this storyline has been for Cedric because I'm seeing this in like 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 miles down the road I'm like he Cedric's gonna beat Jeff Hardy next week and then in a month or so when we have a Raw Legends night all the legends are gonna whoop Cedric's ass. And Cedric will then not be anything on TV because, yeah, I just got that feeling. I really do. And I hope I'm really wrong about that. But but I don't see no Cedric push, and I damn sure don't see no Jeff Hardy push. I I don't even know. It it was a five-minute, 54-second bet. I I was shocked by the finish because I thought they were going to give Cedric the victory with Cedric doing another thumb in the eye. But they gave up on that quickly. So then we had Charlotte backstage. She approached Rhea Ripley in the back. She told Ripley to follow her. Rhea Ripley said she would follow her in two weeks straight to hell. Cool. So then we get the third hour started. Nikki Cross and Asuka beat Charlotte and Rhea Ripley in 13-24. Match was clunky. Match literally just saw Rhea Ripley and Charlotte tagging each other and patting each other on the head. Rhea did it harder. Um, it, you know, the announcers had to tell us that they don't like each other. We get, they don't like each other. Charlotte and uh, Ripley got into each other's faces. So they brought Charlotte raped Ripley's eyes, gave her a natural selection and who should pin her because she achieved her dreams. Blackheart, Nikki Cross wins for the third straight week and dances <laughs> like she just won the price is right. <laughs> oh my god, I was like, why the hell And then Oscar's dancing on the fucking announce table too. Like, like she just won the car with her. Like, like what the hell are you doing? Like, like that's how like that's how we get baby faces over in twenty twenty one, Black Heart. We gotta have them. Especially the psycho ones. Especially the psycho baby faces, that's how you get them the fuck over. Just run all over the place, jump on top of the TVs. Um, the announcer's table, screaming their faces, I won! You know what that means? Ha ha ha! I don't exactly. know what I won! And now this is like the, and then Charlotte Flair on Twitter even said, you're welcome. And Nikki Cross is like literally trying to like play this off as like she's done all this stuff by herself. And it's funny, but at the same time, but at the same time though, even, even you have to like, if you're a casual viewer, Man, man, do they not give a shit about Rhea Ripley, and do they not give a shit about about what the hell a babyface or a heel means? Because 
I was just like, and 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 yes, and yes, I do defend Rhea Ripley a lot. You know, spoiler for everybody that watches this show on Locker Room or Spotify, but I really am in love with Rhea Ripley, and I just get upset because like, because mm-hmm. like that this is some bullshit. This was some bullshit. I was just, I was just I was just like, you can't even give her a victory on the way to the pay per view. Like like she couldn't have beaten Oscar. Like it was just, oh, we had Monster Drew Gulak. It was a two minute match. Uh, Gulak tried to win holding the tights because I guess Gulak's a heel now. And Monster countered into a cradle for a pinfall victory because the roll-up is the most dangerous pinfall in W in wrestling. The today, most so. dangerous move of all sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. That's probably what a number 72. 72 surprise roll-ups for WWE. We're about to hit three-fourths away from 100. And sorry, Simon Miller, but I have to take this one off the list today. I had to feel the same way that everyone else felt. How much more can I take? I was just like, when I saw this, I, I for, for, first off, two minute matches I will never like give a <laughs> review on because I'm like, I'm, I'm like, it's two minutes, it is stupid as fuck. I'm like, this is, and 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 they think this is gonna get Monster over, fine, but this, I want to see how he does with regular fans next month because right now we're not gonna get no true answers. We're just really not. In the back, Orton handed Riddle. The imaginary key to Riddle's mouth. Riddle unlocked his mouth and spoke about Burger King. Great. Oh. So Riddle suggested he and Orton become road bunnies. Riddle rambled for too long and Orton made, made him shut up again. Riddle handed him the key and Orton dropped it in the garbage. You know, you know that, you know, it, it actually was the second worst thing, but it was technically the second funniest thing on the show in a lot of ways. The first was the main event. Of course, that we'll get to in a minute, but the, it's not like Bro, you know, it's funny at times, but of, then it gets like stupid at times. Yeah, but you know what this reminds me of, though? This reminds me of SpongeBob and Squidward, how their relationship is. And you know, Squidward is the one grumpy ass goose that's Randy, and the happy go lucky, you know, Sponge Fry cook is, you know, is, you know, is Riddle. So that one annoying motherfucker that's always going to be around, but somehow he warms up to you. And you feel like you feel some type of way for that guy. This is how it feels. I, I will I will say though it was the second worst thing, but the second funniest thing on the show the entire time of the show because I actually do like Riddle. I just don't like how long they go with these segments. That's the only thing. But Kofi Riddle did have a, a good twelve minute match. They technically did. Finish came with Orton countering the RKO, but Riddle ducked the trouble in paradise. Riddle tried to set up for the Bro Derek, but Kingston slipped out and still hit the Trouble in Paradise. Good match. Riddle did the draping DDT of Randy Orton. And I actually liked – I actually really liked this match. Um, I just wish it didn't complicate the finish, and I went into that yesterday. I just said that. I was just like – I was just like, why didn't they – you know, why didn't they just make it where Kofi just got a roll-up or a Trouble in Paradise? It was – it could have been easy. You know, but instead they wanted to overcomplicate the finish. And I literally said yesterday it reminded me of 2009 TNA, where every finish of the match has to end in some bullshit. It always does. So. Always does. And, exactly, and just overcomplicate it. So I, I will say this this here. I actually, um, you know, there was actually I've actually seen like the 2009 TNA pay per view of Jenner Morissette versus. Queen Charmel. It's the worst match of all time. It's the the minus five stars to Botchamania for Brian Alvarez. 
<laughs> and I will say, looking back in 2021, it's funny as hell because Jenna Morissette really comes out looking like a porn star. And she literally comes into the ring trying to walk like a porn star. <laughs> and she trips on the damn apron and the damn ring rope coming into the bottom. I was like, what the hell is this shit? I was laughing my ass off when I saw that. And I was just like, I was just like, this is the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. I said, I said, I don't know why, but, but I just wanted a good laugh. Of course, of course, Queen Charmel won, and she better have won that fucking match because because I actually never knew who won the match. I've always heard the match is terrible, and and it, it wasn't even that long to be honest. It really wasn't. But it, but when you look back at it though, it's more comedy now. It really is comedy. But my goodness, though, um, it was funny though. Um, Nia Jax approached Shayna Baszler in the back. Uh, Naya actually tried to warn her about Bliss, who was, who she said was the most unpredictable and dangerous that she's ever seen. Baszler wasn't worried about the little blonde or her doll. So then we had to get the episode took place in the ring. Bliss was speaking to the doll when Baszler interrupt. Baszler knocked over a toy horse, which led to them playing crowd booing. So, so Alexa Bliss is really the babyface. This is. I really, I really wrote it. I don't I understand really, it anymore either. <laughs> I, I don't. I will say this here though: these writers must be the horniest men I've ever seen because because they really try to tell you that Alexa Bliss is like playing this eleven-year-old girl, and you got the commentators all like at a funeral <laughs> saying like this here saying like, "I'm so scared right now." Like Jesus Christ! Like Jesus! Like you guys are just some weird motherfuckers, then. and then and then of course, Bliss told Baszler that she needed to apologize to the doll, and then Baszler said that she was not apologizing to the doll, and Bliss said you have to apologize. So Baszler actually grabbed the doll and said, "I'm sorry, you're just a stupid doll." Bliss attacks Baszler, but Baszler chucked her from the ring. She stomped on the doll. They did very dramatic camera cuts. They did like it looked like fifty-five camera cuts of her stomping the doll. It was like, what the hell? I'm, I'm like, I'm like, we're Jesus stomping Christ, the doll, Kevin and, we, and, we, and Kevin Dunn's literally got like do like eight hundred cuts. I'm like, I'm like, right? Listen, he's been their director since right. since nineteen since you know, since the late nineteen eighties. Like, it's still unbearable to. Walk. Like to see how the evolution of the production, and you see it now, and you're like, dude, we, oh my, ugh, I can't. Too much. It gives me a seizure. It gives me migraine. Uh, welcome in, Tavon. Tavon, what's up, man? Uh, doing good. Nothing much. Uh, Tavon, uh, uh, yeah, Tavon, Tavon, um, we're oh. talking about the main event segment of Raw Monday. Um, did you see it at all? Oh yeah, I saw it. Oh my goodness! Oh yeah, um, and like to finish up this to finish up this raw review so we can get into something a little bit better with NXT. Baszler then, um, you know, the video screams um, began to cut out and Baszler backed away. So fire, so firepower went off. So Baszler scamped to the back, and then we had to have Corey Graves ask, "Where is everybody?" Because I guess the doll immediately got everybody out the backstage and the and the whole light bill just got cut off. So <laughs> so literally Baszler is trying to run to Exus where Lily where that telling herself that Lily was just a stupid doll. And then we get the ultimate warrior Hulk Hogan WCW. 
looking in the mirror and nothing's there and Shayna starts crying and screaming and that's how we close out Raw. That that was a terrible, was truly the terrible ending. show. Truly the ending. You you know, I hate these you know and, and Black and Blackheart, you can agree with me and Tavon Tavon, I know that you might not be watching NHL games, but they always air a fucking raw commercial during the NHL games. And you always get Corey Graves saying, oh, off the top rope, wear the belt day, this, that, bullshit. And like, it must <laughs> oh, be Monday. No. Monday Night Raw is live at 8, 7 Central USA. I'm like, shut Glow the day. fuck up. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this shit is so bullshit. I'm like, I hate this show. I'm like, stop telling me. I thought it was a Peacock commercial when I first saw it. I was like, I was like, oh, they're advertising Peacock. This is actually a nice commercial. And then I was, I was like, and then Corey Graves said it must be Monday. I said it must be what day? Like, I said, I said, it must be the one day. One day in my fucking house. I said, I said we don't watch Raw eight seven Central in my house. Like no, <laughs> I was, I was disgusted immediately. But I, but I, because because I, it, it, and it looked cool, and they actually tried to portray to you, and 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 then you got the fucking NHL commentators saying. Well, it must be Monday because Monday Night Raw. And then, like, like, oh, we got some fighting here ourselves. Like, like the NHL fight looks better than that shit that I saw in the main event. I was oh like, God. no, I was. So, Tavon, Tavon, what did you think of Raw Monday? Um. Well, I'll I'll tell you this, Sack, because like, honestly, when it comes to the ending. I mean, sure, it's a bit, it, it's a bit, it was a bit iffy, but I guess one thing you could take out of that, from that ending, is that Lily might just debut at Hell in a Cell, who is really going to be with Lily at Hell in a Cell, that might, that, at Hell in a Cell, that, that might be the case, and also the rest of the show, um. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Raw, Raw now, now Raw overall is, is still is still bad. I'm not gonna say that this that this Raw was good. It was more so. It was more so okay. It was more. It was most. It was more so okay. It, it was all right. I mean, there was there wasn't really that much, in my opinion, to to complain about. I mean, they did, they did the right thing and, um, made Bobby versus Drew a Hell in a Cell match, which I knew was going to happen. I called it spot on on the money there. I liked it. I liked the, um, contract signing. One, and I did, um, and I did like it when, um, even though Jeff Hardy isn't doing anything too important. I mean, it's good for him to see him win because, because let's face it, Jeff Hardy doesn't need to be jobbing all, all the time. Like he has to win once in a while. So I'm I'm glad Jeff Hardy got a win there. The only thing th- that I can tell you that I didn't really like was Rhea Ripley getting pinned. I, I really didn't like that. To be honest, I think Charlotte should have taken the pin because if Nikki and Oscar were supposed to win anyway, then you should have had Charlotte take take took in the pin and not Rhea Ripley. 
I agree. I, I just wish that they should have just gave Rhea Ripley and um, Charlotte the victory and just kept Nikki Cross out of it, and you could have just pinned Asuka because it's not like Asuka is going to be, you know, in the contendership anyway. And, you know, to, to, me, to me, the Nikki Cross thing is probably like the most – it's it's their way of thinking this is a babyface, but really this is not a babyface. This is actually a, a heel. And what's even worse is when you, like, you know, as far as – now, what did you think of the Randy Orton Riddle stuff? Because I thought it was the second worst stuff, but I thought it was also the second best stuff of the show. Um, RK, RK Bro is a um, bright spot for me. They obviously have good chemistry. Street and and sooner than you know it, they might just be the next Raw Tag Team Champions. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah. They're definitely going to win the titles uh, next month. I-, I can definitely tell you that. Money in the bank, they definitely will be. So, so that that is coming. Um, NXT Tuesday, Blackheart, Tavon. Did you guys see this show? I did. Yeah, I I did. Okay, great. I did too. So we got Oni Lorcan, Austin Theory to open the show. This is where I immediately thought that because NXT usually opens up with like a really strong lead in due to like Law and Order or um, Chicago PD or whatever. Um, um, and, and, I, and I actually do like watch like the, you know, the stuff kind of before the stuff on NXT in USA sometimes because because I, I will say um, – Sophia Bush, who is on the like the Chicago PD show or whatever on NBC, she was also on One Tree Hill as Brooke Davis. So, so I'm so I'm actually in love with that. So childhood crush of mine. Um, so, but um, usually they always start off with like a good lead in, and then I immediately thought, man, Austin Theory in the way just came out. Yeah, this show's like immediately going to like five hundred some thousand. So overall viewers were like six hundred sixty nine thousand. So I was like, yep. I said the viewership kind of went down. I, I would have never opened this match to start the show. They had um, Lorcan beat Theory. Good match. Just a WWE finish to come in the way. Um, Lorcan had uh, Lorcan gave hard chops. Theory came back. Had, Theory actually looked like a babyface in this match, and I think he was supposed to be a babyface because you know he actually had like a good babyface comeback and everything. And then of course they both are on the outside of the ring, Pete Dunn and Gargano fight. Theory's distracted, so Lorkin throws um, Theory right into the ring post. Theory sold this ring post shot like like he had gotten like a concussion or something. And then Thor and then Oni wins. Uh, what was your guys' thoughts on the opening match? Uh Tabon, you can go first, man. Okay. Um I thought it was a pretty good match. That's it? Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty much. I yeah, that's pretty quick. Okay, um, yeah. Um, Oni Larkin, I don't know what they're about to be doing with him because, um, damn, like, what can you really do when you're by yourself, your taxi partner, he's suffering a very severe injury, so he's out for several months, and you're going to be jobbing to the way, especially with the whole Austin Theory situation and the whole uh, Speaking Out Me Too movement that happened last year. Uh, his name was brought up on that list. Um, Massey classified that it's still going with him. Still going trying to rebuild him up again. Um, let's just not fuck up this time, Austin, or anything else. Um, that's what we got to say about that part. 
I, I will agree. It was a good match until we had the bullshit finish, and and it just and it was just like man. But you know what though? I actually expected this finish to be this way because they were going to protect Theory in some kind of way, and they had to build up Gargano and Dunn because they're in the five way main event. So, um, next segment was a vignette featuring La Knight, who I mentioned on last week's show or. Then he actually popped a blood vessel in his eye um, at the end of the main event versus Jake Atlas. And you can still see he is still rocking that. He should have been wearing some damn shades or something because that blood vessel looked really bad. It was a spoof of MTV Cribs for us older fans, you know. Um, I will say, though, if Jeremy Borash was behind this, um, I would make sure that he never did nothing like this ever again because this was very insulting. L.A. Knight even said to all of us, you know, on the TV, where he said, I'm not rich like that, but he said with Ted DiBiase, with you, I can become it. So they literally had L.A. Knight in this mansion with two women, were hanging out in a hot tub, and they laughed at his jokes, and then and then he drove away in a car that didn't even look like his anyway. So I was just like... Huh. I was like, I was like, I was like, this is, and, and this was to impress Ted DiBiase. I'm like, I'm like, you guys are really trying to impress a 65 year old man who's not even going to be on TV weekly. Like, yeah, like that kind of is a little creepy to me, man. Like, you know, like, like, oh, hey, like, hey, give me your money, and I'm going to do, and I'm going to show you all these things that I do. You know, like, I'm like, okay, creepy, I'm like, very, very creepy. Um. I guess it's kind of WWE-esque in its own way because because we have people on Monday Night Raw always trying to impress a 75-year-old lunatic. So yeah, sounds about right. Sounds about right. It was I will because um, because it, it, and it gets weirder with the Cameron Grimes one later, but then we had Michael Hayes who was Doc Hendricks was back on WWE television to run down the In Your House card like it was 1995. And he he, he actually looked like he brought that hat from Cameron Grimes. So I don't know know if Cameron Grimes lent him the hat or not, but it really looked like Cameron Grimes' hat. And I was like, like Cameron Grimes, it it did. And and he promoted, and and, you know, he did do a good job promoting it. I will say though that Doc Hendricks, you know, everyone says they didn't like his gimmick. It's kind of really hard to ask Michael Hayes what he liked in the 90s because in the 90s he was going through a lot of um, alcohol and substance abuse. Plus, he was literally doing these creative meetings and shit. So, you know, I, I don't want to say Michael Hayes didn't like it. But I will say, though, in the 90s he used to be able to really promote uh, a pay-per-view. You know, where you say, like, call your local cable provider and shit. And yeah. I did like that, you know. I did. Mm-hmm. I thought it was. A, I thought it was a cute little segment for old people. <laughs> but for me, it was well, for like, us, eh, or, okay. us older generation, that actually remember that shit as a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, now now we're showing our age. So let's stop that. Like, like, come on, <laughs> hey, I'm not gonna go there yet. Like, come it's on, based now. on the new generation. You can't even so. So then we had uh, Elgato Del Fantasma in the ring for a promo. Santos Escobar was very angry about the NXT North American champion Bronson Reed um, squashing him right into the barricade last week with the splash. So we had to see the same replay of this splash like 80 times because MSK came out and they wanted to see it. Reed, you know, kept showing it. Escobar had to be pissed. 
And then they challenged in a six, and then Escobar just challenged Reed and MSK to a six man match for all the titles. And they, and then, and then we had like the Ric Flair, Jay Lethal, instead of woo, we just yelled fine for like a whole minute. Like they were like, fine, fine, fine. And, and then, and then we went back to seeing the video like 80 times and I was just like, terrible segment, but I like the fine part. Everything else I hated about this thing. <laughs> It, it it was it was it was funny because they were like yelling fine. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, that and replays, of course. <laughs> well, the replay was stupid. Now that was just stupid because because I liked it the first time they did it last week, and now they've overshowed it. So now I'm now like so done with this. I was like, God, yeah, this is stupid. That's unfair. And then Man, it was the same thing that they did with that fucking suit, um the whole Cesaro swing from WrestleMania. Oh my God. Oh no, not that. Not we got the, we got the, we any chance that they got to um to push it, they did. And then we got Hit Row. They entered the scene. They walked past Legato del Fantasma, so Legato del Fantasma was pissed. And then Reed and MSK. MSK was just smiling at them and shit, and Reed was pissed at Scott. And then we had Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Killian Dane. This was actually a very good match. It actually was. But it had another WWE finish because all of Hit Row distracted Killian Dame for the finish. But it was a really good match. What did you guys think of this match? It was a hell of a match. I like that match to me was the match of the night. Well, the match of the card in this case. Well, there was one oh. second that actually made me laugh the hardest, but you haven't gotten to it yet, so I'm gonna wait on that. But um, I'm saving all my energy for that, but go ahead. Oh, Tavon, Tavon, what was your oh, me? Oh, um, yeah. yeah, it was a um, good match. It had tons of good action. And most importantly of all, um, Isaiah Swerve Scott got the win. So that means a very bright future for Hit Row, which I can already tell you, I, I am already, I'm already on, on the, on the Hit Row train, train on this. I, I easily think that they're going to be the, Next, next stable since since undisputed era to take over NXT. I, I actually agree, and I hope they do. I, the only thing I don't like about Hit Row is their theme. Believe it or not, I just don't like their theme. But I love everything Thank else about them. I love AJ France. I love AJ Francis. You know because I watch the you know the the WWE collectible thing on A and E. I like him. He's he's got personality. He's got he's just he's a genuine guy that you can like. Ashanti the Adonis. He, you know, his gimmick was all Velveteen Dream at first, and now he's, you know, now he's coming into his own. Isaiah Scott, you know, definitely the mastermind. B-Fab, love too. You know, you know, it, it's it's just easy to like these guys. It really is. You know, the theme the theme is just what I think needs to be fixed. Um, and I and I actually like that Scott beat um Killian Dame. I would have had the only thing I would have changed about this match was I would have had Scott hit the JLM driver on Killian Dame because that would have really established Scott as like, wow, Scott could pick up this fat fuck and beat his ass. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I really, I really, I really like try to come on the podcast and like be on professional, but then there's sometimes where, where I got to just let all my hood me come out. I'm like, like, man, because I, I, I wanted to see him do the JLM driver. I was like, I was like, do the goddamn JLM driver on this son of a bitch. Like it ain't like they're pushing Dame at all. So, um, but, but I liked it. I def, I definitely liked how um, AJ Francis, 
drop Jake Maverick right on the ring apron gently because AJ Francis did not want to break Drake Maverick's neck or nothing. He just dropped him gently on the apron. He's like, he's like, yep, I'm going to drop this guy gently. And Drake Maverick sold it. Like he got dropped so hard. He was like, Oh, like, I was like, this, I was like, this is pretty funny. I was like, I was like, AJ Francis, he's getting sucked by the right people, but Drake Mavericks is just like overselling like this jet league buff. I was like, I said, Oh my God. Um, so then next up, we had Poppy arrive at the building. Candace Roulet was not happy. I actually don't blame Candace at all because she was vocalizing her angry because she said, and, and even Mackenzie Mitchell literally said, like, like, why are, like, like, she said, like, she said, how do you feel about Poppy being here? And Candace is like, you're standing next to the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, and all you're asking me about is a singer. And, and actually, I actually agree. And then Indy Hartwell says, Dexter played my uh, music he put on my headphones. He had a tear. That means he still loves me. And then just runs off, and, and then Candace goes the other way. And, 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 then, and then we had to have Beth Phoenix on commentary be like, oh, baby, it takes my – I was like, shut the fuck up. I'm not – so I literally – Right. I was like, look, look, I said, poor Indy Hartwell. Like, this this poor woman, I think when she signed on this dialogue, she did not think that she was ever going to – and what's even fucked up is when you go on Indy Hartwell's Instagram, she's playing her guitar ukulele. She ain't even thinking about no damn Dexter Loomis. She don't even think about the motherfucker. <laughs> I'm sorry, but every week I have to sell like Andy Hartwell and Beth Phoenix's reactions because because they both do like the high pitched screaming and shit. I'm like I'm like oh, like you like you women really acting this way. I said over a man with no personality. This man's got more person. You know this. I think Nails might have had more personality than Dexter Loomis. And oh, Nails is like well, you said really Nails. Yeah, wow! Wow! You want to talk about age? Shit, you just closed it right there. Hey, I'm only 24 years old. Hey, listen, even I remember he's had a match with Undertaker. Listen, but I was like, at least he had some aggressive yelling and shit, like. Believe him. Yeah, and what was his gimmick? A jailbird? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He was a jailbird. Yeah, but 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 man, but man, he <laughs> so ever did, you but know. whenever he did a match, <laughs> he did yelling and shit. He would be like, Argh, or he grunt his wow. head, like real weird. And I was just like, I said, I said, I said, at least this man wow. has some personality. You know, to, to me, Dexter Loomis is in like the Sid Vicious nails category as far as a wrestler, but as far as a gimmick. Sid Vicious and Nails actually had more personality, and I don't even like Sid Vicious or Nails, but even I can think of two men that had more personality than this, and I mean, even I mean, even Sid Vicious at least showed emotion when Eric Bischoff stripped him of his title when they did, like, that WCW reboot show. I was like, but, but Loomis? I'm like, you're kidding me. So then next up, uh, we had Cameron Grimes in his own MTV Cribs vignette, where he was trying to impress the million dollar man Ted DiBiase, which fun fact was the same house that Ted DiBiase paid twenty million dollars for, <laughs> and, and Cameron Grimes is in the damn thing and saying it's his house and he paid eight million, and Grimes was there. And so, so that actually just meant that Ted DiBiase did not have twenty million to pay for the house. So, so that's actually even more embarrassing. And then Cameron Grimes is trying to smoke a cigar. He chokes. 
He tries to drink some whiskey. He chokes on that. He gets a back massage, and then he tries to give a back massage to a woman, and he's literally just doing so terrible about that. And then he vowed to take the million dollars man's legacy to the moon. So, so there you go. There you go. I got you guys laughing a little bit more. So, man, um, <laughs> I was, I was just. I, I, I literally hate these MTV, but at least Cameron Grimes was a little bit more funnier, but I, I still hated this. <laughs> we had Mercedes Martinez win a quick squash match, but Zia Lee before it attacked Martinez. I don't know about you guys, but this kind of seemed like, you know, the WWE 2K, like my universe mode, whenever you're trying to have a match and someone just comes out and interferes. Like that's kind of what this interference just kind of looked like. And then Mercedes Martinez threw Zia Lee over the barricade and then – Mercedes Martinez said, "Ring the bell." This poor, this poor woman that was in the ring—I don't even know who she was. She looked like a six-foot-tall black woman, but she tries to run at Mercedes Martinez, and Mercedes Martinez just spears the hell out of her and wins. And I'm like, "Damn!" Like, and then hits an air raid crash, and I'm like, "Man, this was sad." Yeah, it was just a squash match. And then, and then Mercedes Martinez looks at the card camera and says, "Zaya, you messed with the wrong one." And I was just like. I said, you couldn't have just went over the barricade and just got Zia Lee and just thrown her back in the ring and pointed at her and shit. I'm like, I'm like, okay, like you, but, but yeah, go ahead and look at the hard camera. Like you a bad bitch and everything. <laughs> shit. <laughs> shit. <laughs> I was just like, I was just, I was just like, she's literally right over the barricade. You could just go over there, but okay. Then we had Bree Zango cut a promo on Imperium. And um, I actually liked what Fondango did. This is actually really funny because I actually know someone named this. Um, Fondango said, Mackenzie. <laughs> and then Fondango pulled down his shirt a little bit to, like, I guess show his abs. And he really – and then, and then like, they both try to correct each other. And then Breezingo said, is Walter still mad that we beat Imperium for the tag team titles? And if I'm Walter, I'm pretty sure Walter doesn't even give a damn about the NXT tag team titles that they lost that they lost to to Breezango because because to be honest, I don't even hardly remember when they were like NXT tag team champions now because because I'm just like man. So then so then so then it looks like we're gonna have a tag team match next week between Imperium and Breezango, which will actually be a really good match. I actually will say that because 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 both these teams really work hard. Yes, um, they do. It's. But Breeze Angle needs to lose this match. They definitely need to. So Imperium definitely needs to up. And then I will say this is what finally got me onto the it finally actually made me start giving a damn about the Loomis Hartwell storyline because they put this man into this and even he knew he had to be in this to put this thing over. Triple H and William Regal were backstage with Poppy and the two executives were gushing over Poppy and Triple H said, so Poppy, when's this new album going to drop? And Poppy said, right now. And Triple H literally has to act like every NXT audience member viewer. He said, so wait, you just hit one button and that's it? And Poppy said, yep. She's like, he's like, so it's now all on Apple Music, Spotify, and other streaming platforms. She said, yep. He's like, wow, technology has came a long ways. So then Loomis comes up. And William Regal does the weirdest expressions. William Regal's like, what the hell? And then Triple H is literally acting like Beth Phoenix on commentary. He's like, his mouth open. He's like, he's like, and then, and then Lewis just hands Poppy a drawing of something just saying Poppy. And Poppy says, is this for me? And Lewis doesn't say anything. He just does some staring eyeballs. 
Which, by the way, which, by the way, people, this is how they think you can get a woman. By the way, Poppy's a beautiful woman, but if she's I not must be doing the son, wrong shit for the last exactly. ten years. Exactly. If Poppy's got, if Poppy's got to suffer this shit, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry. There ain't no way I'm ever getting married then. So then Poppy gives him a hug, and Triple H, and then Triple H is shocked. William Regal's disgusted. Andy Hartwell comes up and says, "Dexter, oh!" <laughs> She runs away screaming, and then Poppy doesn't hear none of this shit. Poppy just hugs him for another whole minute, and then Loomis does a weird side eye at Hartwell, and I'm just like, and then and then you got Beth Phoenix coming back with commentary saying, "Oh, it looks good." I skipped this shit another thirty seconds. I was like, "What the hell is wrong with you women?" But God, like, I will say, Indy Hartwell's like, oh, Dexter's like, oh, like, and then Indy Hartwell has to go on Twitter and say, oh, Poppy, uh, Loomis, whatever happened, I will make sure. But I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, trust me, I tell you, no one's really knocking down this man's door. So trust me, I tell you, like, they're really not. And I, I even love when Wade Barrett got on commentary last week and told Beth Phoenix, he said, Beth, you wouldn't even let your own daughters date a man that crazy of Dexter Loomis. And Beth said, well, and then Beth has to say this stupid line saying, this is Romeo and Juliet. And this is what Billy Barrett said. He said, he said, I don't remember Romeo and Juliet being this weird. Yo, Wade Barrett's the best. That's saying a lot. Shout out to Wade Barrett. And we know how, how that was. It, but that also edge. tells me that they got some shit going on between the house of Beth Phoenix and Edge. So exactly, I exactly. That's what I'm about. You, you know, you, you know, my my thing is too. Like, even like, I bet Edge has to watch this show, and he's probably like, "Why the hell is my wife like trying to talk about this Dexter Loomis? Like, Loomis is like, like the greatest thing." And then you even hear Beth Phoenix will say like most weeks, like, "Oh." Dexter Loomis is Brad Pitt. Dexter Loomis is this. I'm like, I'm like, when the fuck did Dexter Loomis ever become George fucking Clooney? Dexter Loomis. Brad Pitt. Dexter Loomis. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But the way they portrayed this man on TV, they portrayed this man on TV like he can pick up any bitch or something. So, no, I'm I'm sorry. I don't even know what the hell this was. But but it was funny as hell. And Triple H and William Regal got this shit over. And I guess that was the whole point. But my goodness. Indy Hartwell made me laugh. She really did make me laugh. <laughs> then we had the priceless announcement by the million dollar man. Sending us. I'm sorry. I, 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 the, the, what I found most funny was literally mocking Indy Hartwell and Beth Phoenix. I'm like, because it makes me laugh every time I watch them. <laughs> so I've been hollering at she's a long way, a long ass time, and I feel embarrassed. I know. I was, but it was funny though. And like, oh my goodness! And then Shawn Michaels is on Twitter saying, "I'm shocked. I never thought this was gonna happen." Like, shut the fuck up! Right, like, trust me. You, 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 you call you, and, they, and, and, they, and, and what's even have. funnier is he calls himself the heartbreak kid. And isn't Dexter Loomis breaking Indy Hartwell's heart? And are Indy Hartwell's the same <laughs> age as me? I'm like, what the hell? And, and here's what's even more fucked up. Loomis is 40 years old and Indy Hartwell's 24. So so literally, um, so literally we got like a... So, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, you shouldn't even expose that number out loud because now, now it got us all thinking. It got me especially thinking now. 
<laughs> exactly. Uh, um, so then we had the priceless announcement by the billion dollar man Ted DiBiase. So Cameron Grimes and LA Knight arrived to the building, both in their cars. They did a lot of comedy. They tried to one up. Uh, they tried to upstage the other. And then Ted DiBiase said Sunday was the ultimate test, and for them to climb the ladder of success. So we have to hear that money song for like the fiftieth time in this whole show. Money, 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 money. And it's just like I did like the ladder painted in gold and had like the dollar signs on it. I did like that. It was cute. And then Ted DiBiase <laughs> indicated that they would be indeed a ladder match. So then LA Knight cuts this promo running down Cameron Grimes saying saying Cameron Grimes is a hillbilly that smells. He's a hill jack. And then Cameron Grimes cut this promo back and literally said, Well, yeah, I am a hillbilly and I do smell. I'm like, I'm like, you just told everybody you don't even bathe your ass, man. I'm like, you weird son of a bitch. Like I'm like, I'm like, and then and then Cameron Grimes was like trying to cut this serious problem. He said, he said, he said, I'm gonna climb up the ladder of success. I'm gonna do this. He said, he said, but Tan, I need to know what what am I climbing for? What am I climbing for? And then and then said DiBiase brings in the million dollar belt, and then both of them act like this is the WWE World Championship because they're like. <gasps> And and I'm I'm like I'm like yeah you guys are really sharked over some million dollar belt I'm like damn like and then on the WWE Twitter they did not put this guy there because he's an AEW but they said who's the best million dollar champion of all time they had Ted DiBiase Jr. Ted DiBiase Virgil and someone else and they did not put Goldust and they did not put Oksana. Because oh, those were actually the because because I actually remember watching the NXT comedy shows and I remember that Goldust and Ted DiBiase Jr. were fighting for the million dollar championship on that show and literally Goldust took the belt because he had to marry Oksana and then Oksana left him at the altar and took the million dollar championship and then Goldust got it back like a week later so it was some stupid shit but but um. I will say though, I, I don't think this million dollar belt's gonna get over or anything. I think, I honestly think this is like NXT's way of making fun of AEW's FTW championship. What about you guys? Well, seeing how the FTW belt has no meaning to it, this ain't gonna have a meaning to it. Sorry, I gotta Thanks. agree with you on that. Thanks, Tavon. What do you think? Um. Not gonna lie. At first, when when I saw the million dollar championship, no, knowing knowing stuff from well, well, knowing things from WWE history and all that, of course I was excited. But sure, I'll, I'll agree with you. I mean, because when it comes to the million dollar belt, I mean, it's not like it's not like most of the champions who were champions of that belt got over. If anything, the only person you could say that got over with the belt was Ted DiBiase himself. Exactly. And and, and to me, the t- Million Dollar Championship just feels so 1980s. Like, like and, and the Million Dollar Championship was actually created because, remember, if anybody remembers this here, and I'm really going back now in history, like, I really am. Like, Ted DiBiase wanted to buy Andre the Giant's WWF Championship because Andre beat Hogan on Saturday night's main event that did 
33 million people that watched. And Andre was going to sell the belt. And then what happened was that WWF um, commissioner, um, I believe, who was it at the time? Jack Tunney. Yep, Jack Tunney. Yep. And Jack Tunney said, oh, you buy the championship. Yes, folks, I'm 31, so shut up. Oh, my God. You just exposed your age. Oh, no. First of all, I suppose my age, y'all two have it, but if I can take a shot. I, I, I can't expose my age. Back, I said I was 24. I said I was the same age as Indy Hartwell. I said I was the same age as her. That's great. I don't go frolicking over 40-year-olds. You know, Beth Phoenix I might frolic over, but but when she's yeah. doing that Dexter Loomis shit, then nah, then then, nah, then, nah, then, nah, then, then I'll skip her right there. But, but, but – um. But the, and then that's how the million dollar championship was created. And also the fourth one was stunning Steve Austin. So Stone Cold Steve Austin actually held the million dollar championship, mm-hmm. but it wasn't mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Steve Austin's million dollar championship reign was anything special. So, and then next up we had Everrise announce that they are hosting the pre pre. I don't know what the fuck it is because they sounded stupid as fuck. I will say this here though, and Blackheart, you can agree with me. Tavon, you can agree with me. Me and Blackheart average more viewers than this Everrise bullshit because I know no one is watching no 10 minute bullshit on Twitter yeah, on Saturday mornings. They, they ain't doing that, that shit. Saturday man, mornings, man, I'll be dead knocked out of my seat. Hell yeah, man. And, and I'm not watching 10 minutes of their shit, man. No. I, I don't even well, like Everrise. I'd rather watch being the elite than that. I'm sorry. I will say this here, though. Everrise literally every week has to come out and act like John Silver and Alex Reynolds of Dark Order. That's literally oh, their job. God, yes. You said you said <laughs> but, exact but, words. But but at least with Silver and Reynolds, it's real and genuine. With Everrides, it's just fake guys drinking Folgers coffee. That's it. Just a then, fuck about then, Folgers coffee. Right. You don't give a fuck about that. He was doing to him. Threatening them over the over the coffee. That was funny. Oh man! <laughs> and you, you know how Everrise is actually, and for some reason, everyone likes Everrise backstage because Scarlett has even went on Twitter and said that Everrise is her favorite tag team in WWE today. Which, if I was Karrion Cross, I would have made her delete that tweet. I'm, I'm like, why did you put these guys over? Like these weird fuckers are weird. Like that's what I would have literally told her. Like, like, like you really like these fuckers? Like, <laughs> maybe she's just trying to give them a freebie. <laughs> fuckers. Yeah, or, or they paid her like a lot of money. Like, hey, look here, look here. We only got like five hundred dollars in our bank account. Can you can you just promote us real quick? Like, <laughs> um, Grizzled Young Veterans defeated August Gray and Yakman um, Hero. So if you don't watch Two Hundred Five Live, which I know you guys don't, but I actually I read to. about it and keep up with it, so I do keep up with it. Yeah, I um, keep up with it too. So Euro is this is supposed to be the Kona Reeves of NXT, where he wears a fucking jacket, and if you touch his jacket, he gets all upset. And August Gray is literally the um, guy that got beat up in Timothy's um, Thatch Can Camp Wrestling. So yeah, so it was. Um, but Grizzly, but they actually had a good match against the Grizzly Young Veterans. Except I did not give a damn about the jacket, and even Wade Barrett was literally everybody watching this match because Wade Barrett was asking Vic Joseph, "Why should I care about this guy wearing a jacket?" And Vic said, "Vic said he's the most pretty man in WWE." He's like, "Oh, that doesn't exist." Like, 
<laughs> I, I mean, love Wade Barrett. He's commentating though. Uh, he stands. I, agree with, with, I actually agree with Wade. Like, like, like Wade. Like Wade was like, "That's not no fucking gimmick." Like, 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 just stop that. Like automatically, he's like, "That's not a gimmick." And um, finish came though, and and then of course that that sure and Champa came out. They sat down on folding chairs like they do every week. And then, you know, Grizzly, you know, veterans got distracted for a little bit, but they hit the ticket to Mayhem to win. Afterwards, um, Champa and Thatcher cut a promo with Grizzly Young Veterans. They exchanged words. We're going to have a, a Texas Tornado match for next Tuesday's NXT because the takeover card's filled up. Um, what's your guys' thoughts on this? Because to me, this and, – and who would you like to see win and face MSK next for the NXT Tag Team Champions or Legato Del Fantasma for that matter? Grizzle Young Veterans. And let me just explain why. This whole experiment between uh, Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa right now, two of my guys down in NXT, but this this whole tag team thing has fell flat on his ass. I can't get my honey anymore because now I can't tell whether the baby faces or heels one week, they're one thing, the next week they're the next week they're another thing. They haven't been concrete as far as feud wise, so solidify that as a tag team, no. And I just don't think just putting two. Two people that are very technical in their wrestling skills together in a team is really is really going to work. So we've seen this before already, dozens of times in WWE, especially in the past. Um, you know the Chris Benoit tag team with um, what was his face? Um, Kurt Edge. Angle. Oh, yeah, yeah, him. That stung like a sore thumb, but they made it work. But it just didn't feel right because there was two different personalities coming in as one team instead of them being as one, one cohesive unit. I can't see that. And Timothy Dasher and um, Tommaso anymore. So I'll go with Grizzly Young Veterans because this is the time. They're, they're getting, I mean, they're making their bones, and I'm extremely proud of those two boys. So I'd rather see them versus MSK at whatever next takeover. I hope and pray that they don't do this tag team match as part of a. That's why on TV, I'm like, please don't. Okay, we do that. We're going to have to see a rubber match at a pay per view, and sometimes that might not always be the climax to it. So that's what I think about. I, I I will agree. Um, and Tavon, I'm gonna let you close out on the opinion. But uh, to me, Champa just looks old. He he looks like he's in great shape, but he just looks like old. And to me, I don't know where where Champa really goes. Like I understand retired that, that triple. Yeah, and, and and to me, like Triple H, you know, I know Triple H. I just got this feeling that Champa and Thatcher are going to go over next week. It just looks like they will, because I I just have this feeling that Triple H is going to try and put the tag team championships on Thatcher and um um Champa, because you know Champa is you know the NXT Rushmore of guys that technically built this you know brand, and I just got that feeling. You know, Tavon, what do you think? Hmm, what do I think? Well, mm, sure. I, I could, I could, I can see that Tommaso and Timothy Dutcher isn't really working out. To to be to be fair though, I mean, if if you do break up Timothy Dutcher and Tommaso Ciampa, I mean, I mean, I guess you could. I guess Tommaso Ciampa could have one 
final one on NXT, or he could go to either Raw or, or SmackDown, but he obviously doesn't want to because of, well, travel. And, you know, and, and booking. Yeah, that too. I mean, it would be really, it would have been, it would be really cool if he got to, um, perhaps like have a short feud. It doesn't have to be like a long, long feud. I'm, I'm just saying he could like have a short feud with Bobby Lashley or Roman Reigns. I mean, something for Roman and Bobby to do, obviously. Well, for mostly for Roman to do, but yeah. So um, then we had a Bobby Fish um, vin- uh, Bobby Fish promo. He had his eyes set on Oni Lorcan, so so at least we get, found something for Oni Lorcan to do. Um, and well, Fish, for him to terribly get squashed. Well, it's not like Oni Lorcan is going to ever get pushed. I mean, no offense. I mean, like, no, Bobby Fish no, I mean, does yeah, he's not by himself anyway. So then we had Candice Ray before the commercial. Vic Joseph had to yell at us and say, oh, one half of the NXT champions, Candice Ray. What does she have to say? And I'm just, like, I'm just like you. You don't understand what she has to say. And and I've been watching this show with you, you dumb son of a bitch. But okay. So Candice comes to the ring after commercial. She storms in the ring, still upset about Poppy being there. She said, she literally said, she said, Poppy, I don't know who you think you are. Uh oh. Said, 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 you made Indy Hartwell cry. She said, Index is a real thing. And I'm like. Wait, weren't you trying to break up Index? <laughs> now she thinks. Now she believes that Index is a real thing. Exactly. So, so I was just like, "What the hell is going on?" And then she, and then Candace said, "Like, uh, Poppy, either you come out here the easy way, or I'll teach you how to come out the hard way, and I'll throw you out of here." And Poppy comes out, and she gets like this, like nice, like entrance and everything. And then, and then this actually just made me fall in love with Poppy because I was just like, I said, Poppy really is an attractive woman. I said, why is she yeah, falling for this next Lumis? And, and like, and literally comes out and literally just nothing but like a, a blazer. And underneath you could tell she's literally wearing literally nothing. Everyone was so bad at the <laughs> other week when, when Taya Valkyrie or Frankie Monet came out and her boobs were almost popping out. But like, I'm like, Poppy's literally wearing nothing underneath that damn thing and you motherfuckers not saying nothing like I'm like I'm like I, I and then, and then and ever since Carmella said she was the most beautiful woman in WWE I've now seen Liv Morgan step up her game I've seen Nia Jack step up her game I've seen Poppy step up her game I've seen Hartwell step up her game I'm just like I'm just like, I'm just like Carmella ain't the most beautiful woman in WWE I said no so so the next thing was Poppy said, Poppy literally just said this here, and I'm going to really make fun of Poppy, but I'm not trying to make fun of her. She said, she said I don't know how to wrestle, but she does. And then, oh, you know, please. Listen, and Bad Bunny didn't know how to wrestle, but yet they taught him how to wrestle for three months. She could do the same thing. So then she gets off Io Shirai's jacket, and Io Shirai whoops Candice Ray's ass, and it made me think, are we going back to EO and Candace again? I'm like, we just saw this feud like last year, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I was just like, it was a quick segment. It was just, I thought it was funny, and then Poppy got in the ring and celebrated with EO, and it was cute, and it, I, guess, I guess it was just like a, a moment for the fans in the building, but it was, but to, but to me, why would they bring out Indy Hart, uh, why would they bring out um, Poppy on Tuesday, knowing that the pay-per-view Sunday, they could have did this segment on Sunday. 
it's not it's not like they're in a time constraint on Peacock. They actually can go as long as they want on Peacock. It's just I didn't understand that. So we had Amber Moon Dakota Kai for our main event match. And it was a good match, but another lame finish on the show where Raquel Gonzalez interfered with a disqualification. Both women really were working hard, and then the finish just came of bullshit. So then, so of course, Raquel Gonzalez tried to attack Amber Moon and actually was getting ready to like deadlift, powerbomb this Amber Moon right through the ring mattress. And then, next thing you know, Moon counters. With like a stunt dog millionaire it looked like, and then she hit the eclipse, and then and then you had to have Vic Joseph and them say, well, she might win the NXT championship if she does that Sunday, and it it didn't mean nothing to me. It was just a segment because they they they, they didn't build up Ember Moon at all, and th- this was really too late. Yeah, they kind so, of rushed it. Exactly, yeah. and and. It, and it was just, and it's just like I will say though the match on Sunday because when WWE does this stuff, they usually will make it where like like the like the challenger gets like all these close near falls and makes you think they might win but they don't. So so I I have no doubt that come Sunday after the match, she'll look like she could have beat Raquel, but in the promo on the way there, no, she did not look like she could. So. And then we had the fatal five-way face-off on the Go Home Show. Karrion Cross and William Regal are in the ring. William Regal said that you're not getting ready to hijack this show, and then Cross steals the mic. And Cross even made a great point. He said, "He said, he said, you don't have any say." He said, "He said, you literally let the lunatics run the asylum." He said, "We're in my world now," and I actually had to agree with Karrion Cross because, and even the fans chanted when Karrion Cross said that because. Even they know William Regal really doesn't have control in this show anymore. He used to, but he doesn't. So Kyle O'Reilly came out first. O'Reilly, to me, he this isn't his gimmick. This cool guy Kyle thing, I ain't fan of him. I A like total copycat of Orange fucking Cassidy. Period. <laughs> exactly. And that's all I gotta and, fucking and, say and, about that. People got mad at me on Facebook for like. A week when I said that shit, I'm like, do you not notice the fucking difference? Like, take exactly. my eyes for one week and watch the same product that y'all just watched. Exactly, and 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 just like with the Kyle O'Reilly, it's just I don't think he's a good promo artist. You know, he's just not. And you know, it, it's there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like not a lot of people are going to be good at cutting promos. So he said, it's a matter of time before a guy like me walks down here and takes that title from you. Very cheesy and generic. That was just weird. Johnny Gargano appeared at ringside sarcastically and said, those were some sick burns. And then Gargano made fun of O'Reilly's blue jean jacket. Even I had to make fun of him too because that because that's very Orange cassidy Ness. I'm like, no offense. <laughs> like, if you don't think that, like, like even like even if he's not, like, even if people don't think he's not Orange Cassidy. He's literally wearing Orange Cassidy clothing. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, the, and then Gargano stood on the announce table, cut a promo on Cross. Cross said, Cross called Gargano a mark. Which is very weird. Because was, it, and I was like, they really that approved that, that word. I'm like, really? I've never even heard them say that. And, right. And, 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 then, and, then, and then our next is Pete Dunne. He interrupts and Dunn said he was sick of all the talking and that he would become NXT champion on Sunday. Adam Cole appeared on the video screen. He called the rest of them chumps. He said Cole cut an um, Cole just cut another harsh promo on Cross. 
O'Reilly called. He said O'Reilly said, "Well, since Adam Cole's a bitch, he said for not being there in person, I'll just come in here and just fight you." And then Cross, um, and then O'Reilly slipped Cross. Um, Cross then whooped his ass. We had security come in because security sucks at this place. And like, no offense, I, I got to say this here about security. We've had kidnappings. We've had people be um, run over by cars. We've had people literally even be tortured. And security sucks for a four billion dollar company. A four billion dollar company. You can you can make all these profits yearly, but we can't have decent security. This was just sad. So Cross suplexed everybody like he was Taz in 1996. <laughs> Literally, all he kept doing was suplexes. Um, then, of course, some security grabbed Cross and held him down while Gargano and um, Pete Dunne were able to superkick him. Then Dunne attacked Cross. Then, of course, O'Reilly did too. And then Cross laid them all out. And then Cross is standing with the title until Adam Cole comes in, superkicks him, hits him with the last shot. And Cole picks up the NXT title belt and... You know, he says the Adam Cole baby Shannon. It was a good way to end the show. I actually like the way they, they ended the show. I didn't like the bullshit on the show, but I did think it was better than Raw because it went one hour less. If it went the same time as Raw, I would have probably been disgusted. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to agree with you on that. Um, I respect that. And then, of course, everyone got their high squad said and leads to the attorney with Adam Cole holding the belt last as it went off the air. You know, we kind of always thought it might, well, Adam Cole should have been called off the main roster. Maybe he has to say to as someone else champ, we don't know what's going on in his mind. Maybe he just wanted to run up that contract, come a free agent, and hop over to AEW where his wife is right now and conquering the world over there. So we don't know what the hell that, uh, that's about to happen with him. But everything for the other three have no chance when it comes to carrying right now. So, sorry. And Kyle O'Reilly, go back to be that MMA background type of-esque gimmick. Because this Orange Cassidy ripoff right here, I'm not vouching for you. I I just just want Kyle O'Reilly to stop cutting promos for a little bit. He just doesn't need to cut any. He, he just he just needs to just be just serious. He doesn't need to be all cool guy, Kyle. I, I don't like it. Gargano is literally a mark. He literally is like I I don't I, I don't like this Gargano gimmick. But 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 Gargano at Takeovers does deliver. So um and uh, Tavon, what did you think of the show? Um, I think it was uh, I think it was a good show. Definitely better than Raw. Yeah. Um, so how about this here? So how about this here though? Today we had the NXT Takeover Media Call, which we're finally getting into. It was, um, of course, it's all media writers asking questions from Bleacher Report, Fightful, Wrestling Observer, etc. And while on this call, Triple H actually, you know, was actually frustrated with some questions. Um, one question was regarding talents being misused when they get called up to the main roster. This is what Triple H said in the following. It's so funny to me. Sometimes how in our business everyone's so worried about where someone is going to go or land or how is this going to play out long term in the future. How about watch it? Do you like it or do you not like it? Do you have to say I like it but I like this other thing more? Just watch it or don't. And stop trying to figure out where everything goes. Fans ruin their own stuff half the time trying to figure out where everything goes and why it's going there and how. 
and how them trying to pick up their phone and search for the thing to find out what it is can ruin it for them so they aren't surprised when it happens. I don't understand that. Uh, what's your thoughts on those comments? He's just, he's just definitely shielded for him, for his father-in-law. And I mean, there's something more. I mean, there's something more he can really say because I think mean, he's trying to protect his own athlete and see that how he's doing a different booking situation compared to what Vince is doing for the main roster for both of those shows. And we all seen this rapidly decline for the last two and a half, three years. So everyone in the NXT is saying to themselves, if I go up there, if, I, if that's going to happen to me, say five-year-old man, if we get better treatment down here from Triple H that as he understands us as the new crop and as the new set of talent and maybe his philosophies is different from Vince's. So a lot of people are very stagnant. I mean, I'm very stagnant about that. I mean, I would too if I was in his shoes. So I know this is just Triple H to try to cover his own ass well with all that question, but not trying to say, yeah, Vince needs to figure this whole booking situation out because as people are getting signed here, you're dumping down the NXT for the first couple of years but then when they want to when they're when they're ready to come up, they're so over down here that we can't afford to pass up this opportunity. Tavon, thoughts? Uh yeah, definitely kind definitely a bad take. Kinda a bad take that isn't really gonna age well. You know, part of me expected probably expected more from Triple H because in my opinion, Triple H is a better booker than Vince McMahon. Because well Vince obviously he doesn't he doesn't know what it's doing and it's kind of a shame. But yeah, um it, it's kinda of weird for him this to kinda of say that because it's like but like because you released all all this talent you release all these these good talent that that didn't really have to be released in the first place i mean and it's and it's gotten to the point where where the releases were so bad that you that some of the nxt talent were re- released and and I just couldn't get that. I mean, knowing Triple H, I mean the same guy, and along with Shawn Michaels, I mean two these two guys. I mean, they they are literally they were literally two two of the most iconic yet controversial in in the good in a good way and sometimes a bad way of of D Generation X. Now, now it's just Triple H. It's like, I mean, he just, I mean, not that NXT is is sort of bad like this because of that, but like Triple H, he focuses more, like, what, like because see, here's the thing, because you you may not you may not know this guy, but I watch a YouTuber. He's called he's called Millennial Smart. He he. I he he talked to there. It was one of the videos I watched, and and he basically said that Triple H. I mean, trip. Wait, wait. No, no, no. It was technical work with productions. Like, 
e- either one of those two. They were basically, well, one of them basically said that Triple H is just copying from ROH and trying to make it make it mainstream, which which isn't. It, it's not. It's not necessarily all that bad, but it's not also also not necessarily good. So it's just like Triple H focuses more on the in ring aspect. And even though while NXT is consistently good, it's not necessarily even though it's the best wrestling show, it's it's not yet growing in popularity and it reflects on Raw and SmackDown because Raw and SmackDown they get more viewers, but SmackDown but SmackDown is is better than Raw, but Raw still sucks and when you have one or one and the other one succeed and the other one fail, it's it doesn't really do much and it comes to the point where they need to make more good storylines. Basically, that's that's all. I, I'm gonna give my thoughts here. Um as far as what Triple H said, I, I understand what he means. Um and I look at it in – I'm going to play devil's advocate. I agree with him on, on his take. But in my take as well, you know, I understand why he can't say the things that he might want to say. And I understand why he is frustrated. But at the same time, though, you know, there we also all know that not everyone that comes up to the main roster is going to get pushed heavily or successively. And – and yes, fans do ruin their own things with the spoilers in this shit. And and I understand where he comes from in that. But I also have to understand, though, that that you have to be a product that actually – that people, you know, want to – you know, you, you can't insult fans like that. And I understand where fans come from. There are fans that don't know what they want and everything. But here's where I do agree with fans on this. They don't want to see bullshit like the Dexter Loomis Indy Hartwell. Yes, it's comedy and it's funny, but it's not what you want to see in a show because whenever you think of pro wrestling, you want it to be this sport. You want it to be seen as an actual sport. You know, the same thing with Monday Night Raw, the Alexa Bliss bullshit. You know, it's bullshit, but and no one likes that. You know, it entertains to an audience of one, that being Vince and you know, and there and there's 80 writers. Bruce Pritchard has more has more seniority than anybody there. I, I'm not I'm not I'm not doubting Bruce at all on that. But Bruce is of what Jim Cornette has said, with what Meltzer has said, what other people have said. He is a kiss ass because I don't see Cornette. You, I, I don't see. I'm um, sorry, Pritchard. You know, saying well, you know, we shouldn't do this. You know, you see Pritchard, and Pritchard is a pure example of. Houston wrestling in the 80s where wrestling in Texas was huge and you know you didn't do this bullshit for that you know and to me I do understand where he comes from in that I do you know but at the same time though I also have to agree with fans because there's sometimes you don't want to see bullshit of the Indy Hartwell Dexter Loomis shit you you want to you want to see better product and, and and like you've said, Tavon, they don't appeal to a young audience. The average NXT audience is 59.7 years of age. The NASCAR audience is 62.1. The the NHL is at 50.2. Uh, 
you know, and they're not drawing in 18 to 49. The reason that SmackDown does so great is because it is on Fox and everyone has Fox. And, you know, and and, then, and of course, you always hear Nick Khan or someone say in the conference calls, well, I was watching SmackDown on my phone for months. That doesn't count as a rating. It doesn't count as a rating. But don't be a jackass and say, well, you know, and, and first off, Fox and even SmackDown on Fox still doesn't do a great 18 to 49 by Fox's standards because Shark Tank beats them every week. The two date lines on NBC beats them. Some, and sometimes those Datelines are reruns because Dateline has not done a actual show because of COVID and everything. And you also have to remember this here too. The reason SmackDown is very heavily good is because they push Roman Reigns and they tell you Roman Reigns is literally the guy that carries the show. You know, yeah, for, exactly. for, for, for Raw, Raw would be a better show if it was a two-hour show. I'm not saying it would be better quality-wise. It would just be better to where you could watch two hours and you could still insult it, but you'd be like, man, I still got an hour to you know do stuff. And then you're watching three hours of Raw. That's that's a lot of bullshit weekly. And then you got to watch two hours of NXT right after, and you don't want to see that same shit. So, so I do agree on both sides. but And then Paul Levecos and, and Triple H, sorry, made this comment. Um, he was asked about whether – they will send talent to the NWA All Women's Pay Per View, which 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 I doubt they will do that anyway. Because and big shout out to NWA James. for doing that first and foremost. Mickey James being the being the strong lead behind that move. Kudos to them. Yeah, and, rem- and remember, Mickey and Mickey James actually wanted to do that in WWE, but. WWE kept telling her no, and Mickey James um, said that, and Mickey James has even said that she's not wrestling on this show. She's just going to be a producer on this show. And um, Triple H said that they already have done that. And to him, equality is equality. He said if I did an all men show, he would get criticized for that. He then questioned James's line about wanting the best regards of a contractual status without mentioning her by name. He said from a business person's standpoint why do we have a, a contractual status it doesn't make any sense to me if you want to wrestle the best women in the world you come to wwe uh what was your thoughts on that that's a stupid comment man whoever the fuck me that should be slapped in the fucking face man that should be spat in the face because talent is everywhere everywhere i just seen a post about this like maybe like an hour ago like people, but people should stop complaining about wrestlers going to WWE or AEW. There's talent every fucking way. There's many promotions out there, including including the independents. So, yeah, people, yeah, people's diehard dream is to be going to the WWE because why? That's the only anything that you ever watched that made you a fan in the fucking first place. It's like it's already programmed in your head. You got to WWE if you want to be successful, but you can be successful at other companies too. Sure, they may not be plasterized like WWE is, of course, but you're still going to get probably better treatment, good money, and you have a, a pretty much good stronghold when it comes to your booking and your character compared to putting it in a corporate machine's hands. So I don't, so I don't respect that comment because looking at the whole Evolution pay per view, the first WWE female pay per view, that was a one. I mean, that was a one off. Whatever the fuck ever happened to that. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, so I do know that's, that that's, that's, 
Well, I do know in the Wrestling Observer it's newsletter, the reason why they didn't do another one was because the ticket sales were not doing good. However, I remember the build-up to that Evolution pay-per-view. They didn't give a shit about those women on Raw and SmackDown. They really never even oh, hardly dang, mentioned Oh, they really it. didn't? I, I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't watching wrestling. I, I, I wasn't watching WWE at the time because I was already... Because in 2018, the 2019 NBA season began, and I kind of... And I stopped watching after I seen the end of SmackDown 1000 and came back in December. Yeah. Uh, well, I, uh, Savon, what was your thoughts on the comments that Triple H said in this conference call? Hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with um, Blackheart. It's it's kind of it's kind of stupid and questionable. Like, sure, obviously. It's everybody's dream to be in WWE, and and that's and that's fine. But like, it's the best talent. I mean, the best talent. It's not necessarily always in WWE. Like, it's, it's it can be literally in like any in any company, even in the indies of all of all places. And it's like, it's like, yeah, if you like. If like say a wrestler like goes to Impact or AEW, I mean if they have the right character and the right gimmick, I mean they they can easily make that company as big as WWE if they really wanted to. I, I will I will say this here though, I don't like when WWE always tells me that NXT has the best women's division on the planet. Like, yeah, you have the best signings on the planet. I will agree with that. But you don't have the best in-ring product of women because because there's not enough time for the women. Like, look at this here. You've got women like Cora Jane, the formerly known as Elena Black. You've got Frankie Monet. You've got Saray. A lot of these women are not getting on TV. Exactly. Yep, yep, Priscilla. And, And they're not even getting on TV enough or anything. It's literally like... You can't say that. Like, you can say you have the best signings in the world. Yes. If he said the best signings on the planet, I agree on that. On 100%. paper, the roster looks stacked, but it's, it, it's like it's well, not well, even utilized. Exactly. And, and you also have to look at this here, too. A lot of these women, when they come to WWE, they're actually taking a lot less money because Cody Rhodes, who before AEW ever began, always used to talk about NXT and the money. And Cody Rhodes even one time mentioned that you'd have to take lesser money to join NXT because mm-hmm. you have to literally start back and be a wrestler. And and you could have made more money on the indies, but you come to WWE because it has the name and the takeovers got so big to where they turned in the PWG All-Star shows. Of course they would because you signed everybody from PWG. And, wow. And, and to me, I, 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 I don't like that comment. I never did, you know. You no, know, because there are there are women that are still not in WWE and are very talented. You got women like Jordan Grace, uh, Trisha Parker. You know, um, you got people of Thunder Rosa, the Britt Bakers. You know, you've got the Layla Hirsch, Nyla Roses, and a J. Um, exactly, um, and yeah, and 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 it's it's not like you know. It's it's very and and also also other women on Impact like of the Tasha Steels, the Kiera mm-hmm. Hogan's, you know, women, mm-hmm. women that actually have a lot more personality than some of the WWE women's um, uh, roster does, you know, like you mm-hmm. know, and 
and and, and I and I and you gotta give that credit, you know. Um, but I didn't like the comments. Um, how about this here though? Leo Rush said that he was retirement from pro wrestling because he suffered a shoulder injury. Um, I don't buy the retirement because I know he's already retired twice. Um, but what? But well, he has technically retired twice. When he got released by WWE, he said he was retiring, and he technically still has a New Japan contract. And he even said he's going to work out the New Japan dates when everything gets back to normal, whenever normal is. Um, Next but, year. Yeah, yeah. So, but but what's your guys' thoughts on the Leo Rush retirement? Um, is this a big deal? Little deal? No deal? What is? No it? deal to me, sir. I'm not buying this, man. I am not buying what the hell that he's selling. Usually, I mean, you just said it. He he, he had retired twice, and this is the third time. No, sorry. Guess how many retirements that had Charles Barkley had had thrown over years to retire? Season after season, when uh, season after season when he lost, he done it four times. Four times. I don't make this. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to make this whole thing feel like around the horn or a part of the interruption type of segment, stuff like that. But I'm not buying it. <laughs> uh, Tav- Tavon, what's your thoughts on it? Uh, eh, it, it's a no deal for me. I mean, at first, I mean, it kind of does suck that he's retiring after. That, but sure, it's it's not a deal. I I guess. Well, he, he'll be back. He'll be back. I agree. You know, Leo Rush is technically t- retired twice because I actually found both of these. Leo Rush had a contract with MLW with Court Bauer, and I remember Jim Cornette was pissed off because R- Cornette had found out about this, and, Cor- and Cornette said, "If I was Court Bauer, I would make Leo Rush unretire." Because it's in his contract, and then I would fire him. And Leo Rush retired after he had left NXT because, and the reason Leo Rush is doing these things, and I understand why he is doing it, he wants to make WWE money. And in New Japan, the contract that he has is not WWE money. It's it's a low five figure deal. The MLW deal was a low four figure deal, and. And, you know, I understand where he's coming from. I do. Um, but I don't buy this retirement shit because Kylie Ray is a pure example of a woman that has retired on multiple occasions. And she's been in AEW and retired. She went to – she did Warrior Wrestling retired. She did Impact and retired. And she's came back again and is now in NWA. So, you know t- – I will say this here, though, and also it also has to do with a lot of bipolar and anxiety and such, and I agree with that because because you you say something that you don't mean one day and, you know, the next day you really want to go out and do this, and and I actually have to agree with that, you know, because that's the reason I don't get mad at Kylie Ray and Leo Rush. I get what they're trying to do. They both want to make a lot of money, but at the same time, though, they both know that, you know – Look! Look here! Look here! There's going to be days where I don't feel like doing this no more. And I will say, the last time Kylie Ray retired, um, 
she had a Patreon thing where like where you know like where you know all the horny wrestling fans think, oh my goodness, Kylie Ray is going to be in some brown panties or something, you know, and she's <laughs> not. She's not that's at cool, all. Every, that's cool. Every day, because you know, believe it or not, going to absolutely be sending me stuff I'm like, yo, check out my Patreon, man. Uh, whether that like you get a chance, and I just be like, what wrestler has what male wrestler has a Patreon? Like he doing something like OnlyFans does. No thanks. Exactly, and. And what happened was Kylie Ray retired, and this is what she told everyone on Twitter. She said, I'm announcing my retirement from pro wrestling. She said, if you paid for the Patreon this month, I'm sorry, there's no refunds. <laughs> she charged $13 a month, and, and, and Patreon takes it on the third of the month. So they literally, on the third, she ret- announced her retirement and said, yep, sorry, no refunds. So... <laughs> She's actually pretty smart. I actually gave her credit on that. I was like, I was like, that's actually pretty cute. I said, I like what she did. I said, thank you. I never paid for that. I was because someone because someone asked on Patreon. They said, can you at least post one more picture? She said, nope, sorry. She said, I'm not even on that account anymore. I'm like, oh. I said, I I was laughing. I said, I said, you know what? I like this Kylie Ray. That that it made me laugh. It really did. Uh, uh, PW Insider reported that they heard from indie promoters. I don't know which indie promoters they were because because um, it's not like they can. It's not like this guy can come out in Russell anyway. It was reported that Adam Shear, the former Braun Strowman. His asking price is currently in the five figure range. Um, oh yeah, I heard that. Is is this a little deal, big deal, or no deal? This is bullshit, man. I'm throwing this shit in the garbage. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> so let me get something fucking straight. Let me get something fucking completely straight. Right, Omos is still signed with WWE. He's probably going to pay like anywhere between 250k to probably 500k per year. You know what I'm saying? So he's starving it out. This man got paid 1.2. Million dollars, and he signed that contract in 2019. Okay, so which means if he was actually doing a smart ass thing and saving up that fucking money, he should have had at least close to 6.7 million dollars tucked the fuck away. If anything, the fuck else. Why the hell is he charging five figures that he only knows and he only knows five to six move sets? That's it. And for a big man, you can't really even fucking move. He wasn't really a champion for that fucking wall. So you have no type of resume on your fucking record like that. So let's blame the booker for I mean, let's let's blame the booker for this. Because there's even a dry that probably signed a probably a six figure deal to go to either triple A, between Triple A and AEW and New Japan. He's getting money all three. You only get the money only through one promotion. So, please, do not give me that shit. If I was an independent promotion, I would say, yo, listen, man, we'll give you the five-digit um, five number, but we'll only give you, like, 10000 You're not worth no 50 grand. Sorry. Kiss my ass on that one. Fucked up, man. what's your thoughts on this? No deal. To me, to me, I don't think I don't even think Braun Strowman's talked to any of these indie promoters like that yet. So Bullshit. I'm gonna say this is I know this is a no deal. Braun Strowman's <laughs> literally been on Instagram working on his car. 
No, I, I have not seen Braun like it. <laughs> Bro, and, and, Braun, and Braun starts like actually like doing like posting some wrestling stuff, then I'll believe it. But he's working no. on his card. He's actually going back to bodybuilding um and you know, and weightlifting competitions to make that bread back. Go back yeah, to your brother, brother, man. Don't do well, it. Well, he li- well he literally that. said during the pandemic though that he didn't make no money from bodybuilding. That's why he quit it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because the whole world's telling kind of you close. Now it's about to open up again. He can go back to it. And he got money saved the fuck away. He's not dead broke. He's not a fucking homeless bum out here in the fucking street begging for change. Fuck out of here. He's just selfish. He's greedy. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. No, hey, no. Now, I would bitch and complain for Alistair Black, who's probably getting paid less money than him, and Billy wasn't even utilized right to go somewhere where he can make that bank, be appreciated, and be able to show the world what the fuck that he can really do to up his stock. That's the difference between Braun and Alistair. Um, how, how about the. Uh, uh, go ahead, Tate. Oh. Uh, me? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where are you? Oh, <laughs> uh, we talking about Alistair? Yeah, we were just talking about. Yeah, we were talking about Braun Strowman's punk ass five um five digit asking price for doing appearances and uh, independent promotions, which I call bullshit. Oh, um, yeah, um, definitely. Um, if Braun, <laughs> if Braun Strowman wants to be. In the Indies, I mean that's that's fine, I guess. Um, but do you really believe? Uh, wait, wait. But do you sorry. really believe that independent promotions, such as like G, like GCW or I mean, or FCW, or even um or even other small promotions like even uh, ECPW or any other independent promotion that's out there, is willing to pay five figure deal to get him over there? Oh, some idiot no, will. I don't think so. Some idiot will. Well, they've been hoping that they better be selling out down big ass arenas then because <laughs> they lose money, then the, the, then there's only one logic for that. I agree. Um how about this here though? Let's let's now finally we're now done with all the WWE stuff for today and all the stuff right now uh, right now and everything. So now we can officially get into some NBA stuff. Um, yeah, because we're already over. Let's go. So, so, listen, man. So, fuck, so, fuck, so, fuck it. We're, we're, we're going to do a three hour show, too, more than likely at this show. Um, but hey, but hey, 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 it is good, though, for content creating. Content creating is key. So, um, how about this year, though? First story, though, I want to get into before we get into the one game last night. It was the Brooklyn Nets. Um, assistant coach Mike D'Antoni, he's reportedly has some serious interest in this Portland Trailblazers head coaching vacancy now that the team has fired Terry Slots. Um, this was reported by The Athletic Thursday. It's unclear whether the Blazers general manager, Neil Osley, will consider D'Antoni. But um, what's your guys' thoughts on this here? Um, Mike D'Antoni could be wanting to go to Portland and actually coach Damian Lillard and McCollum. Hmm. Listen, I mean... It sounds good on paper, but we all see what happened with the Rockets. I'm not buying the shit next. Day day twenty, come talk to me when your team actually makes it to the finals and if y'all win, then that ups your stock and then maybe Trailblazers by actually throw a little bit more money. That's all I gotta say. 
Tavon, what's your Is he still alive? Um, at this at this point, I'm 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 I mean I'm not so sure if it's gonna necessarily work out because like Portland, when it comes to both Damian Lillard and CG McCollum, they they still have yet to like make the NBA finals. So yeah. Well, um, my thoughts on this, you know, I actually. I still don't think Mike D'Antoni's leaving uh, Brooklyn. I don't see this, you know. Um, I, I I just see a guy like maybe Chauncey Billups, the assistant coach, or um, I could definitely see Sam Cassell I, or uh, Kenny Atkinson, you know, coming to Portland. But I just don't see Mike D'Antoni leaving. A good job where he where he doesn't have to be the focal head coach and. Portland needs a defensive head coach. They don't technically need more offensive juggernauts. They actually exactly. need more. And 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 to, and to me, Mike D'Antoni's got a good job. He's a high. He's one of the highest paid assistant coaches, probably the highest paid assistant coach. He doesn't have to worry about being the focal point. You know, he, he he's not. He's you know, yes, he is drawing up X's and O's on offense, but but it's more easier to be an assistant than be the lead guy because when you're the lead guy, everything falls on you. So so and 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 and, and for Portland, what are they trying to accomplish? Because if they get D'Antoni, it's not as if D'Antoni has made the NBA Finals himself. D'Antoni's had success in the playoffs, but but with the success of Houston and such, it's not like Houston. You know, beat Golden State when it really mattered, and we know that three-point shooting, when Houston was hitting all those threes, you know, it's not like it was, you know, it, it's not like the, it was the element key. So, so to me, I'm I'm gonna say this is a no deal because you know it's it's Mike D'Antoni, and you know, I I just don't see him leaving. Yet. How about this here though? We did get one NBA game last night, just one. The Phoenix Suns. They oh my God! Yeah, they I got a lot of shit to talk about this game. Go ahead, go ahead. Listen, man, Paul fucking CP3 came out masterfully. He was a motherfucking Picasso on the floor. He had seventeen. He had what fifteen points and seventeen and seventeen assists. Okay, in the playoffs, he's thirty six years old and he's playing. Like, this is, could be the last big time because he wants to get that mass contract. He wants to get to the Western Conference Finals. He wants to play against the Clippers. I'm betting against the Clippers anyway, but that's what we're going to talk about later. Um, but, but that whole team is just so fucking dangerous, and they're still a defense. Last night, I, I couldn't really believe how they they shut down Will Barton. They shut down um, MPJ. They shut down Austin Rivers. They shut down who's that that um that rookie um number three um Con uh, um Con whatever the fuck his last one was yeah um, Pizazzo, yep yeah so they so they shut him down and then the bench can only do so little and then the only one person that made them at least come to any type of existence was Jokic you know what I'm saying so looking at that dynamic. Denver got a real problem without Jamal Murray being on the floor, and they need to find answers quick. And I remember when um, Malone even said in the post uh, in the post conference that the team either gave up or the Suns made them give up. I said no, the Suns made them give up because looking at all, I me mean, look, looking at Devin of Devin, 
Evan and Paul, those three right there both got double. I mean, all, all three of them had double doubles. Jay Crowder played great, deep, great defense and was clutching threes. Like I haven't seen them since doing that since Boston. So they got a problem on their hands, man. Um, Jesus Christ! I said Denver and seven. I just might actually lose this match. Uh, I will say this here, though. Um, funny story before I let Tavon go. At work today, I, I go to work early in the mornings because I don't like being there in the afternoon or the evenings or anything. And I remember at work today, this annoying coworker of mine is literally just fucking yelling. He says, yeah, I saw the Denver Suns game last night. He said, he said Phoenix at four, Phoenix at four. And then he literally yells at me. When I'm literally on table trying to make food, and he's like, Zach, baby, he said, Brooklyn Phoenix, who who went in the finals? And I'm literally like, why are you yelling right at me? And then he came, and then he said this funny thing. He said he was listening to this podcast. He said, yeah, this idiot said he was keeping it truthful. He said Denver game two, and I'm like, yeah, I did say Denver in game two. I said, I hope he ain't referred to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I think he was probably was referring to me because I did say Denver needed to bounce back in game two and shit like that. So I did say Denver in two. So he could be saying about me, but tell him I said, suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we see him at work, tell him that Blackheart on my podcast says, suck my dick. Now he's going to say, Nuggets is free. I will say this here, though. Whenever it's not busy in the mornings, I will actually, like, be working on my super kick thigh slaps. So one – so literally the other day, he was holding, like, this pan, and he was trying to – like, he was getting ready to hit me with this damn pan. So I came through, and I hit my thigh as loud as I fucking could, and my, and my shoe – which had spikes on the end of it because these were like my cleats. These shoes literally connect Uh-oh. on the pan and the pan hit him right in the face. And I was Yo, like, Zach. <laughs> Yo, Zach, we got some breaking news real quick. WWE are planning on, to, on releasing more talent. Oh. I just thought that maybe if you would look at Twitter, it probably would have popped up on yours, but it popped up on mine, so. I, I'm not on Twitter right now. I've just I've just been looking at the NBA stuff. But but yeah, but yeah, but I, I'm not shocked by that. The reason I'm not is because because the and and this was something that Dave Meltzer did talk about on the Wrestling Observer News um, Radio. He said that the reason that we're also going to be probably seeing a lot of WWE races is because these house shows did not do good before the pandemic. They were actually money losers. Right. So actually. You know, the reason they might be trying to release all this talent is because they're going to make up for all this money lossing. Even though WWE is still going to have the most profitable year again, they're just – to me, To me, here, here's, what, here's what I have to say about these. If it does happen again, it's, 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 going, to be, it's going to be BS because a lot of people are losing their jobs. However – it's probably, you know, for some, for some, it actually might be the best because if a guy like Ricochet is released, we all know he can land on his feet. But again, like, but like a guy like Roberto Carrillo and others could be, you know, in the shark water, you know, because because remember, there are these people that you know leave WWE and say, you know what, I've enjoyed my time there, and I'm gonna go out there and kick ass and make a lot of money on the independents. And there might be other people that say, you know what. WWE is the end all and be all. I don't want to be in pro wrestling anymore. 
you know, that's what they what they probably might say. Yeah, you're right. Um, how about this year though? First some stats still in the night for the Phoenix Suns last night. Chris Paul, 17 points, 15 assists, five rebounds. Devin Booker, 18 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, 15 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, Jay Crowder, four, five, three, or four from three, 11 points. Mikhail Bridges, a plus minus of 28. He led the team in plus minus, five of 12. He was only two of eight from three, but he still had um, 16 points. Phoenix had six figures. It had six players in double figures. For Denver, though, last night. Michael Porter Jr. was 3 of 13, 2 of 9 from 3, 11 points. Uh, Aaron Gordon, 3 of 7. He's got to be He's got to be able to be more aggressive. Just only 6 points on the night for <laughs> He's going to get punched last night, too. Joker, <laughs> 9 of 17, um, 24 points, 13 rebounds. This probably might have been one of Joker's worser games. Austin Rivers, 2 of 5, 6 points. Uh, um, Capanzo that we talked about, 1 of 7, 3 points. Um, Will Barton did come back. Um, first time he's actually played all in the NBA playoffs this year. Ten points on four of eight. We need to see some more Will Barton. Paul Millsap was also four of eight with 11 points. He came back. Um, but this was just not a good game. Really not a good game for Denver. And, you know, here's here's my issues with Denver here. Denver was just, you know, Michael Porter Jr. and Austin Rivers and Monte Morris are going to have to step up their game, and Aaron Gordon as well. They need those four to be able to step up and put up what Jokic is putting up. And if they don't, Denver is going to lose game three when they go back home. And Denver, I'm thinking, though, that Denver should be able to win game three. But it's uh, wait and see. Tavon, what was your thoughts on the game, if you saw it, or just um, listening to the stats, if you didn't? Uh yeah, I listened to the stats. Um, it was a great game for Phoenix. Terrible game for the Nuggets. I mean Phoenix. I mean, ever since ever since they beaten ever since they beaten my team, the the, the Lakers in the first round. I mean, I, I I've pretty much given them credit where it's due. They're they're a real team. They're a real deadly team, Chris. <laughs> and, and, and yes, I I will do a a little JBO reference here. Chris Paul, he was basically a basketball guy. <laughs> 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 he was playing well. Devin Booker was playing well. I'm not trying to make fun of you. I'm not trying to make fun of you. I don't mean to interrupt you. Okay. You know, you know, you know who you sounded like right there. You sounded like Hannibal Lecter. I'm sorry. Like, like wow. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't he's know. Like, who that he's means. like. He's like. He's like. Um, um, Anthony Hopkins. If you don't know. <laughs> oh, but, but he, he was like. He was like. He was like this. He's like basketball guy. I, I was waiting for him to do like that. Like, I was waiting for him to do for that afterwards. Like, like, like. It's sorry. Like, it was, I was like, like, man, this dude, like. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's funny. Continue, though. Continue. I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's okay. I mean, it's just me being funny. That's all. Yeah. It, it, it made me laugh, though. You did make me laugh, though. I, I actually give you credit. Yeah. I you right there. Um, how about this year, though? First half, though, Denver's shooting was abysmal. Um, They were 18% in the first half just shooting the ball from three. Less than 37% shooting. 
Overall, though, Denver did manage to get to 40% shooting, 14 threes, but they were still less than 33% shooting the ball from three. Phoenix was 18 of 38 from three. That's 47.4% and 48% from the field. So good stuff from Phoenix on the night. Um, game three, who do you guys got? I've said Denver. Um, Blackheart, Tavon, who do you guys got in game three? I say Denver. Denver needs to bounce back from here. But it gotta be one of those four that one of those four that we named earlier that needs to step up and really contribute. Otherwise, it's not gonna work. Uh, yeah, Denver. Denver is a much better Denver. How about this here? The betting lines for Friday's game for Denver Phoenix plus one and a half for the Suns on the road. Denver is a minus one and a half favorite. The money line's at minus one twenty four for Denver. The money line for Phoenix is actually an underdog at plus 104, meaning that if you bet $100, you win back $104. So, so good stuff right there. Um, I say Denver does win consecutively game five. You know, I'm going to take the money line on the minus 124. I'm actually feeling a, uh, I'm actually feeling very confident. Um, we got the Brooklyn Nets playing the Bucks right now. Bucks are up 30 to 18 Bucks in the second killing. quarter. Um, it's the second quarter. It's, uh, you know, the Bucks are the favorite right now live at eight and a half. Um, money lines at minus 400. Um, I, 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 I say Brooklyn is still going to get ready to come back, though, so I'm not as worried. 10 p.m. game tonight, though. We got the Jazz Clippers. The line has actually went down for this game. Jazz were the favorite by three yesterday. Now the Jazz are a minus two and a half favorite, meaning they only need to win by three. Um, Clippers are the underdog at plus two and a half on the road in Denver. Um, money lines plus one seventeen for the Clippers. The Jazz are a minus one thirty nine. Um, gotta ask you guys, uh, who's winning this game tonight? You've got the Jazz minus two and a half, or the Clippers plus two and a half, or are you taking a money line and believing in the Clippers? <laughs> Tavon, you can go first on this one. I said I think about this. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, I don't. <laughs> okay, I don't bet, but um, knowing that this should be a close series, the I think the Clippers might might need to win game two. Clippers game two. Okay. So, so you're going to take the plus two and a half for Clippers, or are you going to go money line and really bet for the outright underdog at plus 117? Uh, yeah, sure. Bet the underdog. Wow. A $100 payout would pay out $217. That's 117 which means you win back over double your money. So mm-hmm. I, I'm actually going to say Clippers plus two and a half. They're the minus one twelve. I don't see them winning the game, but I think they would cover it. I'm not as I'm not as reliable on the Clippers winning this game, but covering it, yeah. Blackheart, what about you? I somewhere reason, man. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Jazz on this one. I'm gonna go with the Jazz. I'm gonna go with the Spider on this. Him and Gobert is going to be doing some drastic damage when it comes to that, but also. My main man, Joe Ingles, needs to step in the fuck up in this game because now that we know Mike Conley is out for game two. So it's going to be more likely he might just be definitely out. 
throughout the whole duration of this series, no matter which way that it goes. So if they ever would have made it to the um, to the Western Conference Finals, he could bounce back from there. So I think they're winning out on Conley. But in this case right here, I have strong belief that home court, the crowds would have something to fuck to do, and the crowd missed basketball for nearly a year and four months. So the crowd's going to kick in the play on this. I'm going to go with the Jazz. About this year, though, for some injury updates, Mike Conley will not be playing in game two for the Jazz tonight. He is out once again with the hamstring. LA Clippers against the spread in their last eight road games are 5-2-1 and one push. So that is an interesting stat for, for the people. And for the lines, I've actually got the number of uh, – now this is only Caesars Sports – William Hill in Las Vegas, but I do have some numbers. 59% of the tickets are on the Jazz to cover the ATS at minus 2.5. 39% are like myself. They're saying the Clippers. So so I actually have some – I'm like the Dave Meltzer of betting. I, 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 I want to be that. You know? Yeah, you know, for real, man. Like you are, man. I think this is what sets your podcast to be far different – from every other podcast that's out there that may talk about sports, you actually talk about the bets and shit and how people can win and lose this much or whatever the case may be. And that actually helps out gambling. So, you know. Exactly. Uh, um, how about this here, though? Last night, though, we're going to get into a little bit of NHL. The Boston Bruins. They oh, lost to the New York right. Islanders in New York. It was <sighs> a. It, 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 I, I agree. Um, Boston had a 1-1 tie, and then right after that, the Islanders said, you know what, we're, we're tired of giving you guys confidence. We're going to go ahead and beat you. And they beat them 6-2. Islanders win. Islanders will play the Tampa Bay Lightning, who eliminated the Carolina Hurricanes in the second round. For the NHL, and, and I, I know I'm actually going to be covering this. Saturday is game one of the Eastern Conference Finals for the NHL. The Islanders are the money line underdog at plus 163. The, line, the Lightning are a minus 190 favorite. So, um, you know, to me, I'm I will say the Lightning will actually. I'm actually going to go with the puck line, which is like the ATS, but I'm going to go with the Islanders plus one and a half because you know I just don't see the Lightning covering that and. You know, you know. Personally, I'm not a fan of this, you know, at all because you know, Blackheart, your Bruins got eliminated by the Islanders. My Hurricanes were eliminated by the Lightning, and I really don't like either team. I don't like either team either. But in this case, because I just I, I'm I, I'm a Bostonian, we don't like New Yorkians, so I don't give a fuck. I just want the Islanders just to lose, so I can just. Cry to the, so I could just say, yeah, you may beat us in basketball, but hockey, though, that's a different story. But, uh, yeah, at least we both on the loosest table. I can feel good about, about myself. <laughs> <laughs> How about this year, though? For To win the series, the Tampa Bay Lightning are a minus 275 favorite, which means that a $100 payout only pays out $130, it only pays out $37. Betting $1,000 pays up $370. And if you're really, really crazy, um, $10,000 pays out $3,700. So um, I'm not saying the Lightning are winning this because I'm not betting that kind of money. 
Islanders are the um, underdog plus two fifteen, which means hundred dollar bet gives you three hundred fifteen dollars. A thousand equals three thousand one hundred fifty dollars. Ten thousand equals thirty one thousand five hundred and a hundred thousand dollars because there is some idiot in Vegas saying I just have hundred thousand dollars because my grandmother just died. Let me go bet this. $315,000 would be your payout if the Islanders went through. Um, total games played if um, everyone's got this going over four games. But if this game goes over, if this game can go to a game seven, the game seven is at, at plus 250, which means if you bet $100, you could win $350 if this were to go to a seven game series. So, uh, I know. How about this here, though? For the meeting, you saw Campbell again, man. You're not the really about to mean you really go back and be like, my back pocket for all these picks. I'm like, you know what? All right, come on. Come on, man. Tonight, we've got some money. And tonight we've got a game five, the Vegas Golden Knights. They are taking on the Colorado Avalanche. This game is in Las Vegas. Renee Packett, a huge Las Vegas Golden Knights fan. I'm a huge Golden Knights fan because they're the last team that I'm really rooting for. The Avalanche in this series, remember, we're up 2 nothing. They won the first game 7-1. to Ever since then, the – um, Avalanche were shut out in one game and have only been able to muster up two goals a game ever since then. The Golden Knights, however, are the money line favorite at minus 134 to win game six tonight. That's down from one to the minus 135. Avalanche are the underdog at plus 115 to take this game back to uh, game seven. I got the Golden Knights winning this, though, because Vegas Golden Knights at home are just a completely different team, and I, I don't have I, I don't have no reason to doubt that. Uh, however, the uh, line in America has it um, again by Caesar's Sportsbook in William Hill in Vegas. Sixty-two percent say the Avalanche are going to win this game. Thirty-eight percent are only on the Golden Knights. So it's it's very very shocking. Um, that a lot of people are not buying into the Golden Knights because Golden Knights are actually technically the best third period team in goal scoring this year in the regular season. Um, I don't know about playoffs, but that's all what I know right now. But yeah, so so what do you guys think? Do you think you guys think Golden Knights are going to be able to win this or no? It's going to Game Seven. This is going to go to Game Seven. I think it's going to go against that. I can't knock off the Avalanche as much as I remember them back in the 90s, how they used to be a powerhouse. And um, that's going to keep continuing from there. Not I me, mean, not the Dell, I mean, not the Dell, Las Vegas and stuff like that. I've been peeping you guys out for the last couple, for the last couple of years since the expansion came into play. So I've been paying attention to some of the moves that y'all been making. I'm like, these guys on paper look like they could be a pretty dangerous team. Now we just see them on the ice and hope, hope we keep our fingers crossed that they know injuries involved. So I haven't bought into it, but I definitely ain't gonna go with history's gonna repeat itself and I'm gonna go with the Avalanche. Um I'm gonna say Golden Knights still. I just got that feeling. What about you, Tavon? Not gonna lie, I don't necessarily watch hockey, but yeah, it can go into a seven game series. 
Okay. So 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 you guys so you guys are with America tonight. You guys are saying, you know what? I, I like what America's saying. They're saying um No, I'm not believing what America saying. I'm just believing in you know, in my ideas and my thoughts about this, how this could be an upset, especially when it comes to them home games and shit like that. You just might never know how the away team plays like that. So and it just you know, it just feels more of this is just like Denver's moment. You got you got the Colorado um, uh, average over here. Now, he, now you got Denver over here, and it seems like the stars are aligned for Denver. And when it comes to sports, besides maybe the Broncos, but <laughs> but that's a different story for another day. But I'm gonna go with my gut with this. I'm not going with what America said. Um, I, I will say this here, though. You know, you know, um, Ash last night was on the Keeping It 200 episode 20. And he said that Chris Paul was going to have just six or seven assists. There's a reason why Ash is not here today because Ash knew that we were going to get on him about that. <laughs> he, said, he said, he said, he said, he said, he said, he said, yeah, Chris Paul's only going to have six or seven assists. Like you guys are just hyping this train up. And I was, and he had 15 assists last night. I was like, oh, like, oh, he sure showed him. Like, <laughs> um, closing out this, um, we got the Sixers Hawks. This is a point spread at just minus one now for the Sixers. And the Hawks are a plus one underdog in Atlanta. Money lines are just as close as well. The money line is at minus 105 for Atlanta, minus 114 for Philadelphia. Who's winning game three tomorrow night to you guys? Damn, 1 You're in Trey's backyard. And then you said Hunter was injured, right? Yes, he's definitely out and definitely. Mm, so, which means that's going to be a problem for them. So, I think I'm going to go with the 76ers in game three, Alex. It's, uh, Alex Trebek from Jeopardy. Yeah, I'm not kidding anybody. Tavon, what about you? Uh, yeah. The the Sixers can can steal can steal a world game. So you say Sixers are going to go up three zero tomorrow night? Oh, sorry, two one tomorrow night. Two one yeah. tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah, two one. Okay. Yep, right. two to one, and then Game Four is never going to go back to the Hawks somewhere. Region. So, um, how about this here though? Um. I will say this here, um, as you know, to close out, keeping it 200, I, I'm going to have the Hawks plus one. I, I like the Hawks plus one for some reason. I just do. Um, how about this here, though? Um, next episode of Keeping It 200 will be Saturday. Um, actually, actually, you know, we might do an episode Friday, but I'm not going to guarantee nothing on Friday. Um, because, because there is some things that I got to get done around the house and everything and, um, got to start doing some other stuff. However, however, that might be a show Friday. Um, don't hold breath because I'm not guaranteeing nothing like that, but there might be, um, Saturday though, will definitely be, um, two shows. In fact, we're going to be reviewing SmackDown and AEW Dynamite. And then we're also going to be late that night reviewing the UFC main card 263. Tavon, you're more than welcome to come. This is only going to be the main card of the UFC only. 
We're not going to be reviewing the entire UFC card because because I don't have time to um, watch like six hours of the UFC, which I love, but I'm I'm not doing all that. So I, I will definitely get into the main card. It's only a um, five fight card on the um, main card, and I'm definitely you know buying the pay per view, so I'm definitely going to be watching that. Um, but definitely, though. And then um, we're going to be getting into some more NBA and stuff. But also, um, if the lines are out, let me see if these lines are out. I, I need to look at something for the NFL. Sorry about the dead air, guys. <laughs> well, I mean, you all set. You all good. Because KD right. uh, just got smacked in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that, yeah. Um, actually, they've got the win totals now for all the NFL teams. So how about this here? I don't know if you guys would be interested in doing this, but I what understood. if you know? But but what if you know? Come Sunday, we have ourselves a little NFL betting show where we talk about nothing but win totals, division winners, who's going to make the playoffs, conference winners, and we'll Ooh. even predict a Super Bowl winner because there's Ooh. one that I've got. That really is not on anybody's mind. So okay. it would be extra show Sunday. So if, if you guys are down for it, you know, of course, anybody is more than willing to come in. But it's a betting show. We're going to I think I think it's actually time we start talking about NFL because we because we ain't done that yet. Really on keeping it 200. And the okay. show is technically keeping it 200. And, you know, I can play 21 Savage, but I can't, you know, talk about the NFL. I, I think it's about time we start talking about that. Sunday, I think, would be a beautiful day to talk about that. What, what, what do you think, Blackheart? I'm in. I'm in for that. All right. Tavon, what do you think? Yeah, sure. We can talk about right. football. All right. All right. Definitely, though. I, I'm going to go ahead and just give out one um, one thing here because because we will start with the <laughs> NFC South because that's where the Carolina Panthers and them play. I will say this here, though, immediately, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, they're, they're, they're going to have the worst record in the NFL this year. I can, I can definitely guarantee that. I, 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 I'm, the Atlanta Falcons um, is the over-under on seven wins. Bet under. Bet under. Buy, 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 buy yourself something easy. But, but that's what I'm going to give my only spoiler to. But that's all for the Keeping It 200. It's episode 21. This is actually the longest episode. We actually went almost three hours. Like, we're Monday Night Raw ourselves. And Oh, God. I'm highly surprised at that. I, I know. I know. Um, but, hey, but, hey, it was great talk. So, you know, we had Blackheart. He definitely talked about the NBA, WWE. We got into every bit of that. Um, but no guarantee about Friday. But, but if there is, Blackheart, I'm definitely going to let you know. Tavon, I'll definitely be letting you know as well. You know, um, what you call it? I, I see your Twitter and handle and everything getting the locker room. So, but anyway, so we're gonna just close out the show with you know twenty one Savage just playing um bank account. What what'd you guys think about that? Let's go. All right, sure. man. I might pull up in a ghost no catch the tunnel. I've been smoking gas and I got no. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight M's in my bank account. Yeah, in my bank account. Yeah, in my bank account. How about this here though? Any any closeouts for today's show? Um, any shout outs anybody wants to mention? Shout out to OTTR, man. Just follow the podcast everywhere that I said before. Uh all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the top rules, podcasts, stuff like that. We all season break to August 8th. And, and remember, people, uh, Keeping It 200 is officially going to be joining 
O-T-T-R, August 8th. We're going to be back, and I'm definitely – and it's finally going to be good to finally be, like, a co-host because I'll finally be able to, like, breathe. <laughs> it's, time, it's time for Blackheart to start to – Trust me, it'll be me like, taking care of the hosting duty, so you can actually sit back in your little chair that will custom-made for you and stuff like that. Exactly, exactly. And, 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 and Blackheart is still going to be able to – uh, hopefully he will still be able to maintain his co-hosting duties here. You know, there's oh, no, yeah, there's no pressure. There's, because yeah, there's no pressure. Nope. I'm not gonna like say I'm nope. not gonna say. Oh, Blackheart. No, no, no. Won't you let me know in advance? I'll make time for it. Exactly. And um, uh, Tavon, anything to close out the show today? It's keeping it 200. You might as well just change it up now to keep it at 300 now, because now it's going to be like three people. Pretty much. You might have to keep, like, yeah, like, you might have to keep, like, yeah, keep that 100 thing kind of, like, unclear, because you might never fucking know. <laughs> well, the, well, the whole thing about this show is it's supposed to be under 90 minutes, and the last six episodes have not really been going under 90 minutes because remember we had the, and it started since Sunday because remember we had everybody talk about Porzingis and you had all the, and we look at all those Mavericks fans that came in and were pissed off. They were like, like, Oh, like they need trade trip stops Porzingis. And, and, and someone said Dorian Finney-Smith was the second best player. I was like, you fucking kidding me? Like, I honestly thought he was getting kidnapped because he said he was on vacation. I'm like, I'm like, no one ain't saying Dorian Finney Smith on a vacation. Like, like, like that's like that's like literally me saying, oh, well, I'm on vacation, but you know, Austin, uh, you know, like it, it'd be like me saying like the NBA player that I'm not even a big fan of. It, it'd be like me saying Rudy Gobert, who won Defensive Player of the Year, and I do know he did. But here's the thing: we're keeping it 200. If anyone has watched any of these podcast episodes. I'm not a fan of Gobert winning that damn award. So, <laughs> you know, it really, went to Ben really. Simmons or Draymond, and I was not a fan of Gobert winning this. So, um, but Tavon, I'm sorry about that. The floor is yours. Oh, uh, no. It's okay, Zach. I mean, it is your show after all. But, yeah, um, to close, close things out in other news, um, I, I just, um, yeah, before I was on this podcast just hours ago, I was just watching um, NXT UK, and it was a pretty good episode, main event. It was Kaylee Way versus Mako Settle Mora, and what do you know it? I was shocked. Mako beat Kaylee Way, and she's the new NXT UK Women's Champion. I know, I, and and me and Blackheart actually talked about this um, actually yeah. as well, because I actually saw NXT UK before before I came on here as well, I saw only the main event only. I did not see none of the other show, and I will get into the rest of the show in a later time. The only thing, and I did say this here, the only thing that was upsetting was that I wish there was a crowd. That yeah, was the only thing that, that definitely. that's the only thing that's the only thing that I felt was so upsetting because because just having those ten little virtual people, it wasn't enough. It just wasn't. I really wish that she had gotten you know. You know, because because if, if if we had a crowd and everything and everything was good, you know, that would have been like really beautiful. You know, because of, of course, because you know, Triple H could have been there, gave the flowers. You know, the NXT point of Triple H. You know, <laughs> uh, that but, point is Photoshop now. <laughs> exactly, but but it would have been something cool though. It really would have been, and I was just upset just by how we didn't have a crowd. But the match was really good though, and. And and you know what? I'm glad Mako Sakamura won it because it proved to everyone that watched NXT, NXT UK and was so upset she lost 
lost her title match in that second week, they didn't understand the story behind it. And, yeah, like, and WWE so, actually kept the story. It was so strange. Like, you, you had Mako debut against um, Isla Dawn. Yep. As for a number one contenders, and then you have her go after the women's side. It's like you literally, you literally just ruined her undefeated streak just a week later. It, well, but you know what though? But you know what though, Tavon? That's how WWE tells you that that look here, we got to build you the way that you are. We can't build you off your record elsewhere. That's WWE for you. That's that's just how they do it. You know that that is. You know, Sometimes, um, not yeah. all the time, the same people who came into WWE, um, some of that stuff from other companies had carry over to them because what about the whole Frankie Monet shit? She only had one match, and now she's supposedly going to be built up to be the next female star for that brand, right? I, I, exactly. I will say, though, I'm surprised Frankie, no, Frankie Monet was able to keep her wave over to Roca. Because I did not think they were going to let her keep that. Because, but she was actually able to say it, so I was actually proud of that. But, but I know if she ever goes to the main roster with her husband John Morrison, she ain't saying that. She ain't saying that line because Vince is not going to understand Spanish. He's just no. He's not going to be um, very understanding about that. I, I will say though, this year though, Isla Dawn, another pretty woman, another pretty woman in WWE yeah, that don't pretty. get no recognition. Very, very, very beautiful. Very, very, very beautiful. Um. What you call it? Um, but yeah, um, I'm ending this show talking about Cat Dinningsings because for some reason I'm in love with this woman, and you know she's actually back acting again. You know she was doing some voiceover work in the studio today, and you know it 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 just it inspired me because like because usually when I come do keeping it 200 you know I'm a little depressed or something like that because because you know I'm taking my vitamins I'm taking all of this and I'm like ah and then like you know Kat Dennis was in the studio and she literally was she had a hell on a headset and everything like that and it was just like I said oh my my future wife is just like her husband. <laughs> so I said, I, to this day, to this day, I'm still like, I, I'm still picturing five kids with cat dating scenes. I, I know, I know this is like crazy talk, but to people out there, cat dating scenes is going to listen to this podcast one day and she's going to dump that sorry fiance of hers. And then, and then I'm going to actually like get like that, like golden moment. Cause, and, and I know, I know there's going to be someone out there to say, well, there ain't no way that she ever going to talk about that unless you talk about WandaVision. I know that dumbasses, <laughs> but, but give me some hope finally. At least give me some hope, you know. I fell in love with her in Two Broke Girls. I fell in love with her, you know, on WandaVision and everything, you know. Um, so, yeah, but but I just but I just love Cat Dinkson. I, I don't know why. I just – I don't know why I love her. I don't know why. Um, but, but, the boy, but when she was, like, putting on the headset and everything, she took that selfie. It just made me smile because I'm like – I'm like, oh, my, my, my future little wife, we're, we're both going to be able to do a podcast one day. Could you imagine when Kat Jennings sees, like, ever comes on this podcast and me and her, like, literally talking, like, literally, I'm talking about betting lines and stuff, and she's going to, like, look over at one of you guys and be like, 
does he always do this? Like, <laughs> I'll be, be like, hell yeah, nigga, I'm talking about this shit, dude. Nigga, I want those niggas to get some bread. I'm like, I look at Betty like how Mitch looked at everything in um, Paid in Full. I want everybody to eat. I want everybody to eat. That's what. That's why I always be talking about these betting lines and shit. So that's why I'm always right. Like, we all need shit. Fuck this government check shit. Everybody. <laughs> exactly. Um, but that's all for keeping it 200 episode 21. Shout out to 21 Savage for bank account. Shout out to Jake Cole who yesterday um, I opened up the song and did not shout him out. It was actually the interlude. Um, that was the one. Um, albums coming out tonight. Polo G's Hall of Fame, I believe. That's what's coming out tonight. Um, and I, I don't know any other songs right off the top of my head because I'm not literally on Twitter. I'm a, I'm actually gonna see because because no offense, we're already over three hours anyway. So <laughs> let me see, hip hop, daily facts, daily rap facts. That's that's where you go to see what music's coming out. We got Migos Culture Three, Polo G's Hall of Fame, Kodak Black Happy Bo- Her- Happy Birthday Kodak album, um, Trust Issues featuring. Fredo Bang and N.L. Lee Chapu. Um, Splash featuring Tyga and Moneybag Yo. Bobby Sessions in Manifest album. Pierre Bourne in Top 5 album. And more music. Megan the Stallion on Thought Shit. K Camp Game Ain't Free. Jay the Youngin 23 is back album. Don Tolliver, Little Dirk, and Lotto in Fastlane. Ooh. Um, French Montana. Yeah, yeah, no one ain't listening to that shit, sorry. <laughs> uh, Doja Cat. Um, yeah, no one ain't listening to that neither. <laughs> and um, I don't know what the fuck a Larry June is, but I ain't listening to that shit neither. And also, one more album for you, man. The new Lloyd Banks album, man. The Course of the Inevitable, too. That's a fire-ass album, man. Pay close attention to that, please. Thank you. All right. All right. And, and Versus Battles this month, if anybody watches them on Instagram, we're going to have Eve versus Trina, June 16th, and June 26th, Soldier Boy versus Bow Wow. So let's wow. get ready for that. Get the fuck out of here. Who's winning the versus? Soldier Boy or Bow Wow? I got uh, Soldier Boy. Because Soldier, because when Soldier Boy be playing Kiss Me Through the Phone, that's that's when he gonna win this. Bow Wow ain't got no. No, Bow Wow gonna have to go by the Bow Wow Wow. Yippee yo, yippee yay. Where my dogs <laughs> at? He's gonna have to go back to that very first fucking album. Fuck that, man. No, Bow Wow's gonna win this shit now. Now that you have to play, now that you have to mention that, he he can go back when he's ten. I I, I want to know if Bow Wow's gonna play any music from the Like Mike theme. You know, oh, like, I, I, maybe I, I wonder if he And remember on the Big Mama's House, the actual movie that came out with Martin Lawrence, the very first one, he was actually, he actually had some songs in that um, soundtrack as well. Oh, so, yeah. Bounce with me. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. So, so it's actually going to be, um, kind of weird. It's, it's actually going to be funny as well because I know there's going to be wrestling talk in this because Bow Wow's training oh, to be yeah. a wrestler. And Soldier Boy, so, Boy has been picking a fight with Randy Orton. Yeah, I was seeing exactly. that on Twitter. That was so funny. And and Soldier Boy's Twitch, that thing was funny. <laughs> exactly, but but I think but I think that's um but but definitely I definitely see Soldier Boy winning this. I see Soldier Boy winning this. 
15 to 5. That's what? my prediction, man. Yeah, oh, no. I got no. No. You picked Soldier Boy 5. I'm going to go with Bow Wow on this one, man, because I'm like, yo, that first album is what got that motherfucker started. Soldier Boy only had one thing that had me, well, that had everyone getting ringtones. And that was when we always had to be 16 years old when that motherfucker came out. So, nah, I ain't buying it. But, Soldier Boy, I'm going to literally find these songs here. Because, no, cause no Soldier Boy got the Soulja Boy got the heat, man. You know, um, hold on, let me see here. You, yeah, he got cranked that. Um, one. Got, uh, Kiss Me Through the Phone. Pretty Two. Boy Swag. Turn on my swag, crank that man, dog nah, man. You said crank that already up. twice, so oh, oh, I don't count. Oh, oh, don't. All the way turned up. <laughs> nah, man, nah. Uh, Soldier Boy winning this 15. Power had let it be. Oh, you, he had that one. Oh, uh, of course, what other one that you had? He had some other joint. He had Thank You, the very first joint. I mean, of uh, uh, the second album. I can go back in time with this one, too. I will say though the Eve Trina thing. I hope Eve plays um Let Me Blow Your Mind featuring Quint Stefani because that's actually one of my favorite Eve songs. And mm-hmm. and, pl- and plus Quint Stefani is one of like one of my childhood crushes as well. Yes, because I I, I shout out so many white women on this show that I'm feeling like I'm Hugh Hefner. I really do, man. Like I'm trying to shout to out to Maya. God. <laughs> I'm shouting out so many white women. I'm shouting out Quince yeah. I'm shouting out Cat Getting Seas. I'm shouting out every like woman I'm thinking right off the. I shout out Rhea Ripley, Isla Dawn, uh, Poppy. Damn, what? I'm like, damn man. I, I, the only one I haven't shouted out, man. I'm just okay. like shouting out so many people. But, but anyway, so that's all for keeping it 200 episode 21. Thank you for watching. Um, and we're gonna close out with the 21 Savage. Peace. Yeah, in my bank account. Yeah, in my bank account. Yeah, in my bank. Account. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight shooters.